What a sleazebag. I know. He's, he, I just can't believe what he's been doing to me. He's been, been doing, doing to you. Me. He's a regret. And now we can take him up the house. <sighs> I just set a whole thing up with Joel for us. He just said, <laughs> I woman him, you rock. Oh, God, I make myself with goosebumps, man. I'm so good. podcast going over the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. And we are back for another episode recap of season one, the 12th episode, the penultimate episode, Who's the Odd Man Out? This aired on the 8th of May, 2002. And boy, oh boy, wowee, to quote a very obnoxious Australian rules footballer commentator, This episode is something else. If you ever thought that Australian Survivor Season 1 was a crap season, it was boring, it wasn't entertaining, we've proved you wrong plenty of times this season, but sit down and watch this episode because this is one hell of an episode of Australian Survivor and very excited to be able to talk to you about this today. Let's get on with the introductions. My name is Ben the Bear and quiet down, you bloody bazooka. Ben the Bear, I love it, I love it. Hey guys, as you know, my name's Matt Dyson and you are 100% spot on, Ben. This is a wowee episode, all right. For the last 18 years, I've been defending this this season. I've always said it's got one of the best end games and I've, I've just come off watching this episode again this morning and it's, it's amazing, Ben. I, I was messaging you during me watching it just saying like, this is incredible. This is one of the best episodes in Australian Survivor history. I absolutely love it. You know, we learn everything. Like Shona loses a toy boy at one stage during this episode. Rob all of a sudden becomes a high five guy. Can you believe it? He, he, uh, we, know, we know what happened last week. Katie, well, she's going to let Rob take it up the ass. apparently. <laughs> uh, her words, not mine. Uh, talking about asses, Joel has calluses on his. He does. And... Uh, this is a good one for me and you, Ben. I'm just recently married. You're going to be getting married. We even learn the keys to marriage. So this episode has everything. It really, really does. And, yeah, you're right. This this really is one of the best episodes of Australian Survivor, I think, in the history. And it's, it's interesting because I have said on record many times that the finale is maybe the greatest finale in any Survivor, not just Australian Survivor, but US Survivor as well. It's up there. It is such a fantastic episode. And I forgot how good this episode is. And I think sometimes a penultimate episode is just as important as a a finale episode. I I said this a lot on our sister show on the Oz Network when we've been covering scripted shows that a penultimate episode of a season 
is often more important than the finale itself because you've got to put everything into place in order to get that payoff in the finale. And this this episode does it. I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago in our episode 11 recap about how important that episode was for the season. That was really the turning point for how this game is going to play out. This is just the aftermath of this episode. We really are now at Tapara having to kind of go against themselves. We've got Rob panicking for the first time. We've kind of got Shona pulling some cards that she's not had to do uh, at any point. You've got Katie bottling up these demons that are just going to explode next week. You've got Sophie coming out and being fantastic again. And he's old exuberant Joel in the middle, just yelling and screaming and being as happy as Larry because he's loving life with calluses on his ass. There's, there's nothing bad about this episode. This, this episode is fantastic. Even Jack Robin is at his best, the composer of this season. There is a 30-second shot here of this slow theme music, which of the Australian Survivor Season 1 theme music, and wow, like it was – and I actually messaged Jack Robin straight away and said, do you have a copy of this music? Because it's incredible. I listened to it like five times. Absolutely stunning. Um, it's just such a well-edited uh episode and it's i mean if only they were all edited like this but look you can't complain this just sets up the finale so well we're we're coming off the back of having seen all stars recently uh you know at least at the time of recording there's a couple of months have passed now but it was a pretty well thought out opinion that the end of that season sort of fizzled out and it kind of it wasn't fantastic this is just the absolute complete opposite. This is just peaking all the way up. And this is off the top of my head, Matt Dyson. I'm obviously not as knowledgeable on the Channel 10 seasons as I am on this season because I've only really watched them once. Is there another season of Australian Survivor that peaks and goes up to the highs that this season does? I mean, season two has its moments for different reasons. I from This is just from absolute flat-out memory. Season three, I mean, everyone remembers you know, Christy and kind of everything that happened towards the end there. Season four, obviously a great season. That's often regarded as the best of Australian Survivor. Your season, sorry, it was crap. Although the end was kind of, you know, more entertaining than a lot of the stuff early on. Season six, uh, yeah, I I argue that or season four are the best Channel 10 seasons and then, yeah, All-Stars kind of fizzled out. So I don't know, like, what, what of your brief memory right now, what would you say? Well, well the thing I love about this episode is – it comes down to this this penultimate episode, as you said, and then obviously the finale, and we still got such big characters left at the end. That's what makes it so well. We've seen in other Australian survivors that there might be one big character left or or two, and you know, the Golden God, of course, won the All Stars, and he he was the biggest character of that season. He he went on to win, but normally you're only left with like one or two really big characters. We we have probably, and this is no disrespect to say a Joel or a Sophie, but to have Katie, Shona, Rob still there at this stage of the game, that's huge. And I think that's what makes this the best ending of any Australian survivor in history. And one thing I think is very important that we haven't really pointed out at all this season. And we talk about the context of survivor. We talk about the history, how it's different, all that kind of stuff. People who are used to Australian survivor now, particularly watching it live in Australia, you get it three nights a week. You you watch an episode, 
you're getting one the next night, you're getting one the next night. Yeah, there's going to be a cliffhanger, say, on the, the Wednesday night episode, but you've only got, what, three, four days until the next episode. So there's not that weight is there, really. Whereas what adds, I think, to this as well is that there is a week break in between every single episode. There's only one episode a week. Now, a lot of people listening to this might not remember when TV was like that. You had to wait a week. You couldn't just binge all 12 episodes on Netflix and it drops on a Friday. You know, you couldn't do that. This is how you had to watch it. We've talked about how, I think in our very first episode we did with Cable, about how you had to set the G-code on the VCR. If you missed this, there was no catch-up service. So this is where I think what my point here with this is the context is how good this is to set up that finale is that, you're watching this live. You're like, fuck, I want it to be next Wednesday already. Like, this is, wow, what is going to happen? Because you see that preview. And i got to say, the preview is fantastic for next week because they barely show anything what is going to happen next week. <laughs> so this is where I think it's important to finally raise that point, that it's that week break. It adds more to the tension. You're more excited. It's more of a water cooler chat. This is peak Survivor because this is what it is. It's it's a show that did this, and this is why Survivor was so huge at that point in time when it started. I'm glad you mentioned all that because right up till the last second, I had no idea who was going home in, in this episode. Of course I did because I've seen this season multiple times but I felt if I was watching this for the first time that I would have had no idea who was going home which then leads into like you said a finale that would have been a week later I would have been sitting there and I'm sure I was at the time thinking holy shit like who's going to win this game like this is is Katie gonna come through and win it this Shona is Rob like you just you know is Joel gonna pull a miracle like you you would have you would have been sitting there thinking like I can't wait till next week to find out how this all unfolds And one thing, too, that is very important, I think, in the context, my favourite word on this podcast is context. We are, this is the fourth season of Survivor that Australia had ever seen, if you count Africa, Australian Outback, and Borneo. We had never seen, even in US Survivor at that point, a final five that basically came down to one swing vote to decide how the game is going to play out. You think about it, Borneo, who went home at five? That was Sean. Sean was always on the out. You know, he was never in that final four of the of the target four. That was always Sue, Kelly, Rudy, and Richard. Straight out back, it was Roger and Elizabeth. They were just getting picked off. They were getting pagonged. So you had your final three of Colby, Keith, and Tina. And Africa, T-Bird was fifth from memory, was she not? Or is she fourth? I should know that. Uh, T-Bird, of course, fifth, was fifth. fifth. Uh, yeah. So then you had, what, Ethan, Lex, Tom, and Kim at the end. And we all know that Mama Kim obviously got to the end winning a couple of immunities. It was never meant to play out that way. So we had never seen this in any Survivor. Even Marquesas that we missed didn't have that. Ah, well, actually, they kind of did. It was a Purple Rock situation with Pascal. And so, okay, tell a lie. But we didn't get to see it because this (laughs) – have we ever mentioned that at all, Matt, this entire season, that that never read? I think Lincoln brought it up in his interview, didn't he? Yeah, we've had a few of the contestants mention that, uh, obviously, yeah, that that Marquesas – wasn't shown. I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast. I back in the day, it wasn't easy to get um, stuff from America, and like uh, you know, now you can easily download stuff on computer. I actually had to like I don't know, go onto eBay or something and get this dodgy copy. <laughs> I've still got it. So I've still got it somewhere. It was really wow. dodgy too. And they had like just done a um, colored like for the cover of the case. They've just done like a picture of one of the scenes and just you know did a copy a colored bloody paper on it. 
But um, that's how I w- got to watch my cases is because I had to get it sent all the way from America just someone had obviously just copied it from the TV and uh, that's the only way I could watch it. Now you can – I actually want to go back and watch my cases because that's the only time I've, I've only ever watched that season once and it was a really blurry copy. So I actually got to go back and watch it properly. I love how it's taken us like, what, 26 episodes of this podcast to admit to our dodgy dealings on what we used to do back in the day to watch freaking Survivor. It was, it was, earlier on it was about G-codes. Now it's about freaking pirating copies of, you know, Johnny Come Lately on eBay. Oh, and I just remember at the time, like I'm here's I'm this massive Survivor fan. I'm, I'm I finally get this copy, and I still remember like watching it, and um and and I'd I'd come back from work, you know, late at night, and I'd and I'd watch a couple of episodes each night, thinking, oh, I'm the only one in Australia that's actually got to watch my cases. So I think it's this big deal, and you're probably doing the same thing. I will be honest with you, I didn't. I I I mean, this is a complete sidebar, but it's still in context of this show because I think it is important that that is raised and maybe we can talk a little bit about that in our final final episode when we get to that and sort of wrap things up but you know the the Marquesas aspect is a key thing that kind of correlates negativity with this season I watched All Stars and I had no clue who Boston Robin Kathy were I, I had no clue because I had never seen Mark I don't think I saw Marquesas till I one day got broadband and worked out how to download shows so I it was years later until I finally watched it um and I remember watching all and all stars to this day is still my favorite season of US Survivor. Unpopular opinion, but I, I I fucking love that season. But at the time, I just did not want anything to do with Kathy and Rob. I'm like, who are these two? I don't know who these two are. I don't care about these two. Fuck off. So I had no care factor for either Kathy and Rob, which is ironic because they are two of the big stars of that season, of course. So yeah, it's I mean, it is interesting that we haven't really raised that too much throughout this season. But back to my point, I was saying that. This episode and what we have here, a a final five where you've got two on one side, two on the other, you've got little old Joel in the middle and it kind of comes down to that. And you're right, like what you said before about at the end, not knowing who goes home. We've we've talked about how tribal councils are really a lackluster feature of this season and it, it doesn't improve, sadly. This episode is a slight difference when the tension because of the way and I know we're jumping well ahead here when Lincoln kind of holds that pause at the end on who's going home so yeah I mean this episode has it all we went from Marquesas somehow to that bit (laughs) I'm not as good as your segues Matt you've been working on those but you know I tried I sort of wasn't listening that last minute. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm trying to think where I put that dodgy <laughs> copy of my cases. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to track it down. It's here somewhere, and I'll take a photo of it and uh, we'll put it up on social media. Just how dodgy Matt Dyson was back before he was a police officer. Of course, now I'm straight edge, straight down the line. Would never do that, Ben. Would never download but, uh, anything. And if you found out anyone else was downloading, <clears throat> Matt, just don't look at me. <laughs> I don't live in your country anymore. Now, ben, you, can't, you don't have jurisdiction over me. Now, Ben, before we get into this fantastic episode, there's one more thing I need to raise. Now, the legend himself, Craig Abbott, one of the all-time greats of Australian Survivor, or any Survivor, should I say, after we interviewed him, uh, he found out that I I didn't have a Kadena buff, and uh, he had a few extra, and he, he sent me one. So thank you, Craig Abbott. Much appreciated. Now, when I came home from work, it was nighttime, I got it out of the letterbox, I opened it up. Now, I've been a big defender of Kadena being yellow. And I think I've always said anyone that thinks it's green is nutcase stupid. I opened it up and my first look at it, the first thought I had was, oh, shit. Now, I don't know whether it's different in the day or the night, but when I opened it up, 
it looked more green than yellow. So I called my wife over, who has no idea about this whole Kadena and Tapara stuff. I just said, all I said is, tell me what color this is. She looked at it. She hummed and hard for about 10 seconds. I didn't say anything. And then she says, it's green. Then I messaged, I messaged Craig Abbott and I said, Craig, I, I, I don't know what the hell's going on here. I, as, as Richard Hatch once said, he was bamboozled. I was getting bamboozled. I didn't know what was going on. And he and Craig's like, no, no, it's definitely yellow. And I said, well, I've always said that, but now I've got I've got a Kadena buff. I'm starting to think maybe it's green. So I said, you know what? We've got to get to this. We've got to get to the bottom of this once and for all. So I did some research, Ben, and I think I've cracked what's I think I've cracked it. I think I've finally can put this to bed. Uh oh. So I believe the color is not yellow, is not green, but is chartreuse chartreuse and it's named after of course the chartreuse liqueur of course which is a french which is a french liqueur which i'm sure our good man david haas there i go i mentioned him 15 minutes drinks every friday night being the only frenchman to ever play australian survivor i'm sure this is his go-to drink lucinda spoke french didn't she wasn't there something about lucinda speaking french Possibly, but he she's not a French if she's not from France. He he was born and he was born in France, so he's a Frenchman. But so um yeah, I, I believe the colour is actually chartreuse, and if you Google it, it's precisely halfway between green and yellow. It's fifty percent green, it's fifty percent yellow. So I actually think I've unlocked the secret here. I don't think either person's wrong if you say green or yellow. It's halfway. Doesn't quite sound the same though when it's like Chartreuse Tribe wins immunity. <laughs> like you're on the Chartreuse no. Tribe, you're on the Blue Tribe. That's right. So I did a bit more digging, and so you can get Chartreuse Yellow or Chartreuse Green. So the liqueur Chartreuse it comes in a green or yellow, but so there's one that's slightly a bit more green, one that's slightly a bit more yellow. But it's fifty percent green, fifty percent yellow. That's what the color comes up. It's got a color code and everything. It's actually legitimate color. So I think Ben, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna call it right now that no one is wrong. It's if it, if you say it's green, you're you're correct. If you say it's yellow, you're correct because it's fifty fifty chartreuse. Wow, you've you've been busy in the last few weeks. Good job. Um, I have to say though. <laughs> to ruin the magic of podcasting. We have an interview coming up in a few weeks to our penultimate episode of this season, which I re-listened to recently. We recorded several months ago. That is not sadly brought up, and I'm kind of sad now that we didn't do that interview after you've had this discovery because that question is going to kind of sound a bit silly now in a couple of weeks when you ask about it. You're all grown. Um, but it's funny. It's, it's so funny you mentioned that, actually, because when I made that little faux pas several weeks back and I called it green and you called me out on it, I'm looking at the freaking buff, and that's where I got confused because I will often look at my Kadena buff and go, that's green. So it is a bit confusing on the eye. Yeah, and I think it's whether if whether there's light on it or if it's like I when I open it, it was nighttime. So I think at night it looks a bit more green. I think if you're out in the day and there's sun on it, it looks more yellow. But look, I, I could be wrong, but I'm going to say I've cracked the case. The bloodhound added again. He's worked it. And what made me laugh is now I'm just picturing David Haas on a Friday night just drinking <laughs> Chartreuse liqueur all the time. I don't know how I've got that, but him being a Frenchman, that's how. That's the immediate thought I had. All right, immediate thought I just had. Reunion 2021. We are buying a bottle of Chartreuse and we are bringing it to Whaler's Way. You want, Do you think a bottle of in Port Lincoln, if I went in there, it's like, g'day, mate, you got any Chartreuse? I'd probably get the fuck out of this town, you Frenchie. 
Oh, and I even love how with the French accent, like we, we say it obviously with a with an Aussie accent, but the the way they say chartreuse in a French accent, we'll have to get David Haas to say it. It's uh, it's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, Ben, good day, David. How you doing? Can you say yeah. chartreuse? Cool. Thanks, Kate. Bye. Actually, you know what? I'm going to get David Haas lick it up on chartreuse <laughs> at the reunion. There we go. I've said it. I'm getting him lick it up. It's a tradition, isn't it? Every November yeah. when he goes to Wales, he's going to get pissed the night before and not show up and not eat and get drugged by Sylvan. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, God, actually, God, God. just on that, we're, we're, we're like 20 minutes into this episode, Matt Dyson. We haven't even started talking about it. It's a great episode. Um, I got something during the week. I'm, I'm, I'm two out of three, right? This is a bit of fun that I had. You know how much we love our Sylvan, and we still haven't found the goddamn KFC ads. But, but what's better than the KFC ads? Well, not quite. What's nearly as good as the KFC ads? That is Sylvan Dorney's book. Now, I <laughs> found the only available copy online that I could find at Amazon in the US of all places. He wouldn't ship it to Canada, the bastard. I talked him into it. He finally agreed to ship it to Canada. I haven't received it at the time of recording this, but. But in doing a little bit of digging, and Silver did not tell us this on his interview, he tried to kind of put it out, oh, no, that's the only one I've ever written. He wrote another one, and then he wrote another one under an invisible name. I, I was chatting to him, saying that I bought his first book. He's like, why did you buy that piece of crap? The the next one that I found, like, oh, is this yours as well? He's later informed me that he's, the second one is actually a reboot of the first one. It's kind of the same but different. And then the third one under a completely different name. It's his pen name. And I have I've got those two. So we in the coming weeks will read from Sylvan's books on this show. That is that is a goal. We will do it. Is he the most mysterious man in, in Australian <laughs> Survivor history? Like this guy's got <laughs> aliases now for books. You're tracking them down. And how about this bloke that won't ship it from America to bloody <laughs> Canada? It's not like you're asking him to ship it to bloody Australia or the Solomon Islands, for God's sake. It's bloody border each other. It gets even better. When I told Sylvan I found his other two, first of all, didn't remember that he wrote them, so that's probably why he didn't <laughs> bring it up on the episode. And then he actually asked me, he's like, how did you get those? And I'm like, oh, I found some website. He's like, didn't know about that website. I'm not making any money off that. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought his books of a website. These are brand new. These aren't secondhand. Like, the, his first one will be a secondhand one, but these ones are brand new. And he's literally like, I didn't know that website existed. I'm not making any money off that. <laughs> and I want to know what drugs this bloke in America's on. Why the hell does he have Sylvan Dorney books over in the States? And it's the only copy that I could find anywhere for sale. Anywhere. So, you know um, yeah. Did, you know what? I think this intro here, we're, we're 20 <laughs> minutes in. We haven't even talked about this episode yet about actually going through it. And I think... That, I have a feeling this is going to be a great recap, Ben, because that was a great intro. Welcome to Australian Survivor Archives. If you've never listened to us before, this is only the beginning. It is only going to get better from this point. Uh, I think, as always, we kind of bring it into segments, so sort of we go pre-reward and do all that sort of stuff before we get to the reward challenge. And there's there's plenty of fun stuff here, plenty of stuff to talk about. This is one of those episodes, I think we did have one previously before, where they play the credits and then they do previously on... Survivor, which is it's a bit weird, but it's not the weirdest thing we ever see in Survivor. At least we have it previously on in modern US Survivor. We don't even get a previously on Survivor anymore. Um, Rob, day 34, Rob's on the cliff. He's uh, talking about that he didn't really, wasn't aware of the revote. We mentioned this with Jane last week, of course, that uh, it appeared that Rob had no clue that there would be a revote. He just assumed there was a tie 
Jane had pass votes, she would go home. So that's quite interesting that he didn't realise that. We get Katie smelling a rat, which Katie drops some clangers. He said, this is, this is just everything is gold here from Katie, no pun intended. And one thing I will say about Katie, which is so great this episode, because Pete Katie is next week. We know Pete Katie is the finale. We will just be glowing. If, if that episode title has got not something to do with Katie, there's something wrong with us. But there's something with her this episode. She is so clearly shocked and she's so clearly just out of it. She's so angry. But she just she's so level-headed at the same time. Like, it's kind of strange. She lets all this emotion out next episode. But, like, straight away in this episode where she's just like, I smell a rat, I was looking around to see if anybody would look me in the eye, no one would do it. Uh, and then straight away she's, like, with Sophie. And just this scene of her and Sophie chatting in the tent just... So uh, I don't think Katie smiles at all in this episode, except when she gets Ben the bear, of course, and that's another story. <laughs> but she just she's so out of it. And I actually paid really close attention. Outside of the moment when Rob, Sophie, and Katie have their little chat, Katie does not acknowledge Shona and Rob in the slightest, even in that little three-way chat we'll get later on. She barely acknowledges Rob. And this is this is maybe where I really like Katie so much and maybe why I am such a fan of her. That's me. If someone pisses me off and I'm in a group situation, I will ignore you. Even if you are being as nice as pie to me, I'm barely going to acknowledge you. I'm just going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, sure, whatever. And then as soon as you piss off, I'm going to be turning to my Sophie be like, fuck that Matt Dyson's a shithead. I hate him. Hate him. Hate him. I'm going to stick it up his ass. Uh, <laughs> Remind me to never get on the bad side of Ben the Bear Waterworth. Holy shit, it would give me some me. side eye. And, oh. So I but really connected right. with Katie. Yeah, Katie, Katie is brewing in this. I mean, the fact she, she mentions the word rat numerous times in this episode, but uh, I love the fact I underlined it here in my notes. She said, yeah, I smell a rat. Like it's just brilliant, Katie. She knows what's going on. And she, she does try to get a plan together during this episode, which is makes for a, a fantastic episode. But she knows straight away something's going on, Rob's turn, Shona's turn. You know, we she, she's in damage control. And this is where this is very underrated from Katie because we've talked up Katie, how great of a player she, she was, how she's one of the greatest, arguably maybe the greatest Australian uh, survivor contestant, female survivor contestant of all time. It's between her and Sean, let's be honest. I think that's kind of a, a clear debate that you would you would have there. And I, I unlike the David Robb debate, I think that to me personally, and no disrespect to Sean, I would say Katie has the edge over Sean a lot easier than the Rob and David debate. However, Katie often gets painted with a bit of a negative brush that she kind of was a chucked a bit of a tantrum. She couldn't handle things like that. We talked a little bit about that with the Craig situation. Craig talked a little bit about Katie, of course, on his interview. But the thing that always gets overlooked with Katie is She's adapting. Like, as you just said, she's now trying to work out contingency plans and she doesn't just lay back and take it. She just, she's, she's panicked. She's emotional. She's upset. She's hurt. But she's seeing another way of doing this. And let's be honest, if Joel sides with her and Sophie, she probably would have won the game. And it's, it, it all comes down to just thinking of that contingency plan. To me, and we'll get to next week when we talk about next week's episode, that, like, yeah, the emotions are bottling out and this is kind of a, a desperate woman. She's got no other option except that basically she, you know, has to blow up and explode and all this kind of stuff that she has to do. 
Whereas now she's thinking as best as she can. She's working with what she can. So, yeah, I just I feel like it's important to point that out with Katie that just is towards the end of the game, there's there's much more to her than just threatening to kill people and having a big sook. You're right about Katie and Sean, but I think you need to throw in Shona in there as well because Shona does a lot of damage control in this episode as well, which we will definitely cover. Um, Shona's not on the home stretch here either. She she she's playing a, a pretty full on game. So I, for me personally, I would say Katie, Sean, and Shona all are on that same level, which would be a debate of who is the greatest female Australian survivor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, you're right. And this, and this, look, this is a whole episode in itself. We said that a lot with David and and with Robin. Of course, we're mentioning female players here who've never won the game, and we're not disrespecting, you know, Shane. We're not disrespecting Chrissy. We're not disrespecting Pia at all, because the argument would be then, well, neither of these women have won the game. Why are you saying they're better players than women who have won the game? Again, that's your debate episode that you could do. But, like, on paper, maybe then you just take the winners out and say the best female players never to have won the game. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely, Shona would be in that that conversation. Imogen Bailey would be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of other Channel 10 players who would easily be in that conversation. We're not trying to ignore them and just focus on the old schoolers. Again, we've got plenty of content to come over the coming years. We will get to episodes like this. But, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's, it is an interesting uh, little topic of conversation. Just a little side note too here, Ben. Something I I had never noticed before. I'm not sure if you had, and it happens real early, just after the Katie confessional. Um, on on the camp boat at Aurora, uh, I know they have the days where they're crossing out each day, but I didn't actually realise they've carved in the word survivor. Then they've got the the S like the for Sunday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then they've got the whole calendar. I've never noticed it before. I've I've seen them crossing the 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 dates out before. But I didn't actually realize that someone, and I'm assuming it was it was um, Rob, had carved in the word survivor and then like the days of the week and then under that is the actual calendar. It, it's, it, you had to watch it real quickly. Like, I just noticed it and I actually had to pu- rewind and pause it. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I, I, I didn't notice that. The only, there is definitely a scene in this episode that we will talk about around crossing out things, which is fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that at the beginning. So you got an eagle eye, Matt Dyson. Yeah, I did. I, I just sort of saw it at the corner of my eye. I'm like, hang on a sec, I've never seen that before, and just rewent. And it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. I just, I wasn't sure if we had ever mentioned that before. So, another thing here too, Sophie, and and let's be honest, we've we've been gradual in our love for Sophie. Sophie kind of had, we've mentioned it plenty of times, had a bit of a slow burn till she gets here, and Sophie. Once again, fantastic. Not quite as funny. Uh, she's not wanting to pee on people this time around and being emus or anything. But I love this confessional here where she's basically, I now realise what this game is about. And it's interesting that I love that because a lot of people would criticise that in Modern Survivor now, of course. I mean, we kind of were a little bit critical of someone like Lance for, oh, there were no alliances and you can kind of call it naivety. But it's different again, in the context of this show where it is all about relationships and it's all about the friendships and we're going to see Joel, you know, adamant, like I'm not going to play that way and all this sort of stuff. So, again, it is important for people who maybe watch this and think like, well, how dumb are these people? This is a game. Why are they complaining about, you know, there being alliances and backstabbing and all this sort of stuff? Literally really hasn't been much backstabbing to this point in this game. A lot of people complain about that with this season for that reason. There's still been strategy. But that's where I think it's – and it's important and, like, it's the two different sides of the coin here, isn't it, of Katie's reaction and Sophie's reaction. 
Katie is flat out hurt. She is hurt. She is scrambling in her confessional. She's calling them rats. She's saying she hates them. Everything under the sun. Whereas Sophie is literally like, okay, that's how we're playing it. Fair enough. Let's let's do something. And and props to Sophie. So Sophie is really someone who I I am glad we're appreciating more because. Her and Karen were the two this season that I thought we might struggle the most with to get content out of in terms of what we're seeing. And I think we've been proven wrong for the most part with Karen and clearly for the most part with with Sophie. A lot more with Sophie than Karen because, again, Karen's still a bit of an enigma. The thing I love about Sophie too in that confessional is she mentions that some people are playing much more hardball than others and that's the way Rob's been playing. So she's... She finally realized that, you know, Rob's nice guy act isn't, you know, isn't all that he is. Like he's also playing hard and he's there to win. I think finally the pennies dropped for Sophie and she realized that Rob might be a nice guy, but he's playing bloody hard and harder than anyone else. And one thing too is Sophie. She's she's There always seems to be a player in every season of Survivor who everyone thinks is a threat, yet we never really get to see much of that on the edit. Sophie's that player this season because it's kind of jumping ahead slightly here, but we can kind of tie it in because there's definitely a scene here I want to talk about outside of what I'm about to talk about. Now, Shona is clearly thinking that Sophie's a threat. Like she is saying like this, this woman's onto it. What does she, she says she's tenacious. She's determined and has the smarts, you know, so, and Shona is a very smart woman. So she's onto it. She's very intuitive. She knows this. So, and we had that a couple of weeks ago. Did we not when Rob basically saying like, Sophie, you know, you're going to win the game. So it's clearly her edit. And this is not Sophie's fault in the slightest, but like there is more to Sophie. And we talked about this with Jane last week. We've talked about it with Lance in the, in the previous weeks as well. There are these players that don't get a huge edit. Sophie got a decent edit based on confessionals, but again, I feel like we just there's a lot missing from Sophie's game that clearly we're we're, we're going to hopefully find out from soon. It's fair to say that if Joel would have ended up turning on Robin Shona and going with Katie and Sophie to the end, Sophie's edit would have been completely different. Completely different. We would have seen so much more sort of gameplay from Sophie. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that she was doing a heap of game playing early on, but definitely at this stage of the game too. Like we, it would have been a different edit for Sophie had Joel turned on Robin Shona. And let's quickly just point out, just on the confessional, Sophie gets 31 this entire season, the same as Joel. And you would always argue Joel feels more of a presence this season than Sophie does. But Sophie in this episode alone, she gets seven, her most in any of her episodes. To put that into context. Katie next week only gets six confessionals. So that's kind of crazy to think that Sophie gets more confessionals in this episode than Katie does in arguably the most memorable confessional laden episode in the history of Survivor history. Quality, not quantity, Ben. There are big six confessionals. Yeah, very, very true. And actually looking at the confessionals in this episode, everyone gets a huge amount of confessionals except for Shona. Shona gets two confessionals this episode Katie gets eight, Joel gets six, Rob gets ten. And I would go out on a limb and say that that would be a record until we get to Channel 10. Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that the the Golden Gods and, and the Lukes got more than ten an episode. I'll have to fact check that. But I don't think, and I can probably pull this up in just a second, that nobody in Season 2 would have got anywhere near ten an episode. I could be wrong. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's... That's epic. And actually, I've pulled that up straight away. Look at Ben doing the the stats right away here. And (laughs) 
by goodness, by crikey, Benny's wrong because three people in season two get ten in an episode, including two people in the same episode. Okay, wow. And you you will not you will not get right who got ten in an episode. Three people, well, two of them in the same episode. Well, I'm going to say maybe Justin Melvy nope. and what? No, nope. Uh, Nicole. Nope. <laughs> uh, I, I give up, Ben. Who? Uh, oh, well, Dave- whoa, 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 whoa. Fiona Horn. Uh, no. Ah, oh, I give up. David was one of them. I like. I thought you might have gone there. Amber got ten in her boot wow. episode, as and David got ten in the same episode. That is episode four. Gabrielle got ten in episode six. Not even her boot episode. She got ten. How is that possible? Uh, I know we're jumping ahead, but and freaking Kim Johnson gets nine in her boot. Really? <laughs> I really love Kim oh, Johnson. Geez. We are really jumping ahead. Um, we are. Ben, there's an interesting um, segment here with with Rob and Joel. Yes. Here, and I, I actually really enjoyed it. I, you, you're good at doing the Joel impression, but, yeah, he, he's yelling out, Rob. <laughs> That's that's the bit I wanted to talk about because like this is the the thing I just really quickly interrupt you. Joel is gold in this episode because we're back to like Joel love and life episode. Rob, Rob, you're high five man. Oh crikey, look at the fish. Oh, that's bloody good rice, Shona. Like Joel's loving everything. But I love this whole opening section of literally Joel. You've just got this shot of him standing on a cliff. The camera person has literally said, Joel, I want you to stand there. I want you to we're gonna film you calling out for Rob. The Rob. Rob, you're standing over a cliff. You hear the echo of Rob, 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 Rob. And then he finds him and he's basically like, you know, I found you, your footprints. It's like, you're waking <laughs> out from the flame and sleep, you bloody bazooka. What I love too is Rob was not getting up. He was He's hiding like in the sand with the, the, the small bush shrub around him yep. and he could hear bloody Joel yelling out Rob 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 and he's not getting up he's hoping that that the cameraman don't give his position away but of course he, he tracks him down with the uh, the footprints apparently and uh, it's it's pretty funny like it almost reminded me of like you know you, you go on a first date and the bloody she, she does a run on you because she doesn't like you and then you and then you're like oh where's she you gone go and he's on? like <laughs> didn't happen to me but I'm just saying I'm he's sure. like <laughs> He's acting a little desperate about. Oh, gee, look, where have they gone? Where have they gone? Yelling at the name. It just, Let's be honest. That's me, me on a first date. That that was me before Mallory. I'd just be literally going like, Jenny, Jenny, <laughs> shit, Ben's coming, hiding in the bushes. Oh shit! And then they then they realise that Jenny left you with the the check as well, but uh, the bill. True. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, is it, but I mean, you mentioned like yeah, it is. It is an interesting scene because I think what is intersected here with kind of Rob's confessionals, where Rob's basically saying. You know, in an act of lunacy, we decided to go with Joel, which is kind of interesting because it seemed he was very adamant and we talked about that decision in the last episode recap about, you know, Rob's decision, was it was it um you sort know, of Joel's decision, a bit of both on either side. And kind of it's interesting to kind of hear Rob explain this now. It's like, oh, it was a bit of a lunacy move that we we did this. And I love that kind of moment though, that even after the, you know, you interrupted my sleep, you bloody loud bazooka. And then all of a sudden Rob just basically is like, ah, but you're still here and giving a big man hug. Joel, again, Mr. High on Life, like, oh, I'm happy. I'm so pumped that I'm here and this has worked out. And just it's an it's a nice little moment. Yeah, and Joel has good confessional. He says that he's happy with um how it's all planned uh panned out. 
And considering that he wasn't involved in any of the backstabbing alliance from the start, so he's saying like, well, he's in a pretty good spot and he wasn't even bloody in the alliance at the start. So he wasn't even involved in the backstabbing. And this is where I think it's important to give props to Joel because, okay, Joel, let's pull out the spoilers. We, we're not that we haven't done on this whole season. Joel plays a third place game. Joel, Joel is going to go through with his word. He's going to give up. He's going to fall on his sword and let these go to the end. So, no disrespect to Joel, but that doesn't make him a fantastic player of Survivor when you're basically giving up to let other people win. That's not what this game is about. But, but Joel did what he had to do to get to a point where for him. He left this game with his head held high. He came out with integrity. And, like, you can't take that away from this guy. That is so important to him. And if that's how he wanted to play the game, if he wanted to go out there on national television, come out with his head held high and feeling great, then all the power to him. Uh, You would not get away with that today. He would be torn to shreds on social media. He would be a laughing stock to all Survivor fans. But... Like, I, I don't look at it that way. It's kind of like how we talked about Lance the other week where, okay, I can see it. You can see, like, how could you be so naive? How could you do that? But at the same time, again, context is that word I'm going to use. It's a different time. And to me, I respect Joel for making a move that got him two, three spots further than ultimately he should have gotten in this game. For the most part, though, Survivor is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Like, Yes, a few people get to play it twice, and if you're Rob Mariano, you get to play it five, six times. But uh, but for most part, you get to play it once if you're lucky enough to get that chance. And if you get yourself to the final three, I'm sorry, you've got to you've got to go all the way and try to win. And and that's what that's what's disappointing about this ending. Although it's a great ending to this season, if only like if only Joel like he'd done a, such a great job to go from the bottom to get himself to final three, but if only he took that seriously and 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 remembered that this is a game, just like Rob has mentioned plenty of times, it's a game, you're there to win. Um, it, it's such a shame that Joel didn't give it his all and try to actually win it. And, and uh, again, I don't disagree with what you said either. Like this is one of those situations where uh, like I, I see both sides of the coin. Uh, Joel's 22. You know, he's the second youngest player out there. He's he's wanting to set up a career for himself as well. Like, you know, he's got a lot on his shoulders that he's wanting to look at. And absolutely, though, you're right. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Any person should get to that final three and want to win. It's kind of, you know, it makes sense on paper. But some people, I guess, go into these situations and can look at things more so than just winning and, and the game and everything. And, that. and like, uh, obviously, we know what happened with Joel you know, a lot later on. But before that happened, Joel arguably probably was the most successful person out of this show, you would say, because he did form a bit of a media career out of Survivor and, you know, Rob kind of had his his film stuff going on. But if we were to look at post-Australian Survivor 2002, who had the most successful career outside of it, you, you're probably going to argue Joel because he was the, one, the only one who really stayed in the spotlight for years to come. I can't wait to talk to Katie and get her her sort of opinion on someone getting to the final three and then just just giving up and handing it over because, I mean, Katie, she was she was willing to do anything to get to the end and win, and then she has to watch someone just give up their spot. It, it's going to be a, a, a brilliant interview when we when we get to talk to Katie and get her opinion on that. Well, even Sophie, I mean, everyone would be fascinated to hear about that because I guess we don't really see safe Sophie or Katie. Uh, we might with Katie next week. It's been a, it's been a few months since I've seen the episode. Find out this deal even existed, or at least on camera. 
Um, and I mean, someone that would have been great, and we didn't really raise this with him, would have been Craig. Like, you know, how do you, how do you feel mm. having someone go third and they basically just give up their spot? Jane talked about it last week about her relationship with Joel. So clearly, yeah, Joel, Joel we're jumping ahead. Joel's not going home this episode. This is the Sophie episode. But yeah, it's it is an interesting topic of conversation. But I just I love kind of back to happy Joel. You know, we've we've we talked about the Jane roller coaster. Definitely a Joel Joel roller coaster here. One thing before we get to the reward challenge, I will say we talked about the editing in this episode. I really love that shot of the snake before then we cut to Katie, Shona and Sophie sitting around the fire. Now, one thing that US Survivor does very well with their subtleties, if you want to say that, is they will show an animal based and then edit it clip next to like, you know, oh, there's a rat, so we're going to show a scene of a player who's been called a rat, you know, things like that. It's kind of, it, it's interesting. So there's this, I'm, I don't know, it's a brown snake, a black snake, it's it's a snake. It's what, It will kill you basically, let's be honest. And then we, we're at the fire here where we have these like intense scene, don't we, of kind of Katie and, and Sophie basically talking to Shona about what's going on. And Shona's like flat out lying because it. I love the way it sort of Shona's like, no, I'm looking you in the eye, and I did not say that. And then cut to confessional. I told my first lie today. It's brilliant editing. It's great. And Shona, like, my God, this I would believe anything she says. She's so intense. She's so, like, just focused. And I don't want to say scary because Shona's coming on this show in a few weeks, and I don't want her to think that I'm scared of her. Shona, I love you, but, like, you demand attention, Shona. And you, if you're staring at me, I'm going to believe anything you tell me. I'm, I'm in your gaze. I'm listening to everything you're saying. And th- this is a great scene. Ben, you might not admit that you're uh, shit scared of Shona, but I will. I've spoken to Shona on the phone. <laughs> I- I'm Shona's <laughs> biggest fan in this world. Like, But am I shit scared of Shona? Absolutely. She's she, she's just got such a presence like I've, I've never seen before. Like, And you're right. Like This scene of Shona, this Shona, Katie, Sophie, sitting around a campfire – and you're right. When they question her, when Sophie questions her about, like, did you have a plan to vote me out? She, Sophie knows, she knows, um, sorry, Shona knows that if she looks away or hesitates on the answer, they're going to know that she'd lied. She looks them dead in the eye, does not move, does not flinch. Like, this is something when, I, when I'm working and, and I'm investigating an offence and I'm a potential offender, I'll be w- watching their mannerisms. But this... Shona does not crack. Like this lady will stare you in the eye, will not flinch, will not blink, and just say, I did not lie. That did not happen. And then, of course, in the confessional, she's like, oh, I just told my first lie. Yeah. yeah. Like, because we know she did. That's what I'm saying. When I say about some of the greatest female uh, characters and players of all time, Shona is in the mix every time. This lady at 49, she. She is willing. She she wants to get to the end. She wants to win. And if she's got to look you in the eye, dead straight, not flinch, and tell you a lie, she'll do it. She's not going to lose any sleep, Ben. Completely agree. And she drops that great line where she says, I'm going to let you young bucks fight it out for third. <laughs> like, we- how cold is that? She's basically telling him, neither of you are coming to the final two, but I'm going to make <laughs> you young bucks fight out for third. Yeah, and and she says she she and she says you know she wants to she knows that she also um, will make a good number two like so if any of them do get to the end well here here I am like I'll make a good number two so you know and she'll let them fight it out so all right look when I just when I think Shona can't get any better she just goes and gets better like that's how good this lady is completely agree um really great scene and and going back to my point about Katie looking frazzled I mean Sophie's doing all the talking here. 
Katie doesn't want to be there. She she just she just looks so depressed and down and everything. And it's it's so fascinating to hear like Katie and her confessional say like you know I could I could go out there and blow this all up, but that's not you know that's not the smart move. Again, props to Katie because like she clearly has trouble holding this in. <laughs> Again, that's me. I'm the emotional guy. I can't hide my emotions in situations like that when I'm pissed off. You know I'm pissed off. I'm a sulker. I'm gonna sulk. I can't hide it. It's just me. So there you go, Channel Ten ever cast me on that i'm gonna be that player i'm gonna be you know i'm i'm gonna be paranoid but i'm not gonna be henry paranoid <laughs> another thing just with shona too that i love when shona uh, when sophie asked shona um are our votes going to be um revealed to joel because obviously we know that that katie and sophie voted for joel the last episode and this is what I love about Shona. She she just passes the buck on to Rob. Like she she sits there and she, it's great. Like she's not taking any responsibility for what this this whole blindside. She just says, "Oh, how can I say what Rob's going to tell Joel? They're down on the coast now, Sophie. Like she's just saying, I can't control Rob. I'm here. I'm happy to go to the end with you two. I can't control. She just passes it off. It's brilliant. Which, I mean, it is brilliant. It's great TV. But one thing I want to say, and this is, I'm not trying to be completely negative on Shona, but it is, a, I think, a bit of a negative against her social game, the way she kind of does speak to people. Because I think, like, like, that's just Shona. That's just her personality. And I think that if you think about that, I mean, you're a cop. You get spoken to in many different ways every single day. You you know how people are talking to you and what the tone is and that sort of stuff. If someone flat out kind of snaps at you like that, Oh yeah, I'm going to remember that, and I'm going to be like, "Whoa, okay, dude, just asking a question. Don't have to be rude." But I think that's just Shona. Like, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. She's yeah. she's, she's never going to change. No. Ben. she'll probably snap. She'll probably snap at us during our interview. <laughs> I, 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 d- I demand it, Shona. If you're listening, <laughs> I want you to snap at me. I, I want to sit there and go, "Oh, I'm sorry, Shona, don't yell at me." <laughs> Absolutely, I'll flinch, but, uh, and I'm on the other side of a freaking computer screen. Now, and I always talk about Shona's. Greatest confessionals, and I've and I've got another one. You did mention it before. I'm actually going to read it out word for word because it's great. She's talking about Sophie because she knows Sophie's onto onto what's going on. And Shona says she's got radar. Man, it goes out for kilometers. She's a mother. She's tenacious. She's determined, and she has the smarts. Like great, great confessional. Absolutely, absolutely, and and this is where like it's very interesting when kind of she and Rob almost have a bit of a fight, like who should go next. Yeah. Um, it's it's really really interesting. One thing, but when we get to the reward challenge, did you notice that a lot of these people in this episode are all of a sudden wearing different clothes? I feel that the Reebok sponsorship dropped in episode uh, in episode twelve because all of a sudden Katie's wearing a Reebok shirt, Rob I think's wearing one, Shona's wearing I think they're all wearing Reebok shirts and we've never seen these red, orangey tinted shirts before. So do you think the shipment from Reebok just arrived at Whaler's Way a couple of days before the filming ended? Well Ben, why aren't we wearing Reebok right now doing this podcast? Our good friends at Reebok. Our very good friends at Reebok. They we've got a lot of good friends this season. So you know they're all joining that. Speaking of looking good because you look good wearing Reebok. Got to say, uh, Mr. Mister Howes, or as he's referred to in this episode a few times, Link, he's looking pretty darn good standing here on the beach in his bright blue shirt with his hair wisped in the back. I mean, this is the first time I think I've seen, like, all, episode, all season. I'm like, damn, Lincoln, you're looking good, son. Oh, don't worry, Ben. We are going to get to Lincoln's blue button-up shirt and how good he's looking out on the beach. But before we talk about that, Ben, I've got to do challenge mail. Oh right, of course. Sorry, I was just I was I was onto the thinking man's crumpet, Matt. You know, 
<laughs> got to got to bring that up. Thanks, thanks, Naomi and Deb for for bringing oh. that up. Because I'm my goodness, thinking man's crumpet indeed. Lincoln House, brilliant, brilliant. But look, you're right. Look, we're going to be talking about uh, how good Lincoln was. But first, Ben, this is what I do on this podcast. I read the challenge mail. It was uh, Robin Joel. Now Rob ends up reading it. Now tell me when, when Rob reads it, he actually adds a few extra lines to this. Um, passage of when he's reading. Do you want me to just read the challenge or do you want me to read it how Rob read it? I want you to read it how Rob read it. All right. Here we go. Line up your target and hook your prey. Then run to the rocks and smash away. I feel like running. (laughs) Sort the puzzle in the appropriate way. Yeah, our brains are fried, so that will be fun. A sound sleep for the winner will make your day. A sound meal would make it even better. I like how he just he just adds in those little extra uh, bits there as he's reading it. You know what's really good about this episode on so many levels is that we, we talked about before, Rob gets 10 confessionals this episode, but you, Rob isn't the MVP of this episode. You don't, like, Rob is great. Rob has so many great little moments in this episode. There's one episode in this that I'll put up there as one of the funniest moments of this entire season. But... You just you feel as though Rob's kind of a supporting player in this episode. How how is that possible that Rob, the great Rob, one of the two greatest Australian survival players of all time, we've talked about how he's brilliant in gameplay, he's a great character. There's so many things about Rob that's great. But I don't know, is that just me? I just I feel like Rob is just a supporting person this entire episode. Look, he's great in front of the camera. He knows how to speak, and 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 any opportunity he gets to have a bit of fun in front of the camera, he, he takes an opportunity and, and that's what viewers love. The reward challenge, um, got to say, bit of a fan of the challenges this episode. Uh, the, the, the challenge, I'll get to the reward in a second, but first of all, the challenge basically involves running down a beach, grabbing a, ra- a grappling hook uh, or as a shark hook as they call it. They've got to get a net which contains a box. This box has a bag of letters in it. They've got to though, spell out a word. Now, this is this the. I don't even know if we had it in Borneo in Australia. Did we have collect a puzzle and spell out word? This is obviously a very modern survivor thing, but um, I don't know. Do, do you remember Australian outback Borneo Africa having collect letters and spelling it out? Yeah, look, I can't remember about collecting letters. No, I know there was a good challenge in the Africa one. Uh, that was right at the end where they have the. The, the board, it's like the crossword, but like you've got oh, yeah. to circle yep, around yep. a letter, I, which I really like. I think that challenge is very easy and they should bring Agreed. that back in a modern day. But, um, but yeah, I can't remember. But I've actually, I normally wouldn't do this, Ben, but um, I normally read out the obviously the, the challenge mails. But I'm going to read out Lincoln's speech here because he, he gives a little speech before they do the challenge, which I really love because once again, it's talking about the area um, that they're in at the time. And I always like, you know, Ben, I like the history of, where they're playing the game. Can you put on a nice blue shirt for me right now with your beautiful crumpet eyes right now and really get me into the Lincoln zone? How how good did he look? He would have been oh, cleaning up down at that karaoke I, I bar. Don't, I don't I just I don't think we've talked him up as much as like since Naomi mentioned it, I see it. Thinking man's crumpet. Yeah. He's he's looking good. He's this he's he fits the part on the beach. It's a beautiful day in Whaler's Way that day. It's the second day they've had out of 35 days. It's beautiful. There it is. And he's just swept in the sand and he's smiling and oh Lincoln. Mm-mm. So so this is Lincoln's probably biggest speech since he gave on day one when they all got out the bus and, and he's explaining. One take, Lincoln. Con- yep, yeah, one take. Yep, yeah, about five minutes long. He did it in one take. So 
I've written this down, so I'll read it out. So he said, Lincoln gives a speech. He says, it was here in the 1840s that whalers used to set out in search of the southern right whale. Now, thankfully, the whales are protected today, but back then the rewards were great. Same as your reward today. The winner of today's challenge will receive a camp bed, a sleeping bag, and a pillow. And to help you sleep even better, a warm meal before bed. So they get to choose out a minestrone soup or a roast chicken. Easy I'll choice. Also th- <laughs> I'll also throw in a little friend to keep you warm <laughs> at night. And he holds up a teddy bear, which we now know to be Ben the Bear. Yes. One by now, freaking Katie. Katie has a bear named after me. Woo. <laughs> so in the end, what would you have cho- chose, Ben? Would you have oh, chosen chicken. the minestrone? Not the- even a question. Give me the whole <laughs> fucking chicken. Let me chow down on it right now. I want chicken. Chicken's my favourite food. Mm, 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 chicken. I have to ask, who the fuck puts on minestrone soup <laughs> as one of the options? Why wasn't it like a beef burger or a chi- or a chicken? Like who who chooses a minestrone soup or roast Shona. chicken? And Shona would have I chosen want- minestrone soup. Let's be honest. <laughs> but I want to know, it was like whatever they didn't choose, did, does that mean like Stephen Peters, he had to end up eating the minestrone soup? Like was it his choice of meals and... He just got whatever was left they, over? No, Matt. Come on now. A couple of weeks ago we talked about this. They ran out of money a while ago, didn't they? They had to fucking get them to weigh themselves and shit. They're just literally going around the camp over there at Whaler's Way going, fuck, we've got, what have we got left? There's a chicken, a couple of baked beans, or oh, minestrone soup. Uh, minestrone soup sounds fancy. We'll put that as a reward. And I bet you it was a can of Campbell's minestrone of soup it as was. well. was. Our good friends at Campbell's getting their <laughs> soup. But I just, oh. can we just... I feel like we're gelling over the fact they're giving a freaking teddy bear as a reward. This is brilliant. This is so good. A teddy bear, Matt. <laughs> to, to, to keep them warm at night, you know. Oh, and it's a good teddy bear. This isn't just some shitty thing they've bought from freaking $2 store Whaler's Way. This is a quality-looking bear. I, I, I am down for teddy bears as rewards on Survivor. Don't weigh yourself. Don't measure water. Give teddy bears as rewards. This is brilliant. I wanted Shona to win it, just like I say Shona with a teddy bear. Oh, it would have been better if they just said, instead of giving the teddy bear, that Lincoln was going to hop in there at night and keep him warm. Like, he was the <laughs> oh, prize. Oh, now that's a tough choice. It's not minestrone yeah. soup and chicken. It's Lincoln or the bear. Ooh, what would you choose, Matt? <laughs> uh, he's a good-looking rooster. He is. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let's make it easier. Lincoln in a bear costume. There you go. <laughs> That's what I want as my reward. Oh, All right, Stephen shit. Peters, you get me a bloody bear costume and you put it on Lincoln, I'm in. And I'll it's even like eat that, minestrone soup with him. It's like that show Wilfred. I don't know. Do you ever <laughs> see that show Wilfred? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Career for Lincoln Howells, just walking yeah. around next to Ben Waterworth and Matt Dyson in a bear costume. I like it. Oh. I, this challenge is, again, I... I do not like challenges where they've just got to fetch puzzle pieces and put a puzzle. It's it's up there with standing on something for a while and holding something. It's just boring. It's repetitive. Come up with something new. But I, I like this one in a way because it's it's different. It's new at the time. And we get a fucking fantastic comeback. Katie, just, I don't know, Katie, challenge beast this episode. And the thing that I absolutely love about this challenge Lincoln, sexy old rooster man in his blue shirt, back to being Dick Lincoln. He's basically like, there's lots of words you can spell, but there's only one we're looking for. Like, Jeff Probst explains that as 
We are looking for a phrase that is common with Survivor. Jeff Probst isn't like, you can spell lots of words, but we're only looking for one. Lincoln is literally like, oh, there's lots of words, but we're only looking for one. And then he trolls them even more. He's standing in front of a board and he's like, it's right in front of me here. And then like <laughs> Rob's like, oh, is it digging or whatever it was? Dreams. Dream. And then Lincoln's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, it's right in front of me, Rob. It's here. I'm looking at it. Can you see it? Like the way he basically says it. He's like, you guys are dumb fucks because you can't read what's in front of me. Like, Lincoln is classic here. And then Katie somehow wins it. Out of nowhere, she is so far behind and she's like, boom, Aurora win. Yeah, Katie, she she comes from way behind and wins and uh, spells Aurora. It would be interesting to know how long she, if she worked that out straight away, that, oh, it's going to be Aurora. But I need your honest opinion here, Ben, and I I need you to be honest. Now, you, you've talked up, you say with Channel 10, they use, sometimes they use bad sound effects or mu- dramatic music. What <laughs> the fuck was going on when they were smashing the rock into the wooden <laughs> case? And each time it, they, it would be like this doing, doing. Hang on, hang and on, just Matt, kept- Matt, Matt. So I have to interrupt you. We don't often do this. We hear this sound. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh- <laughs> like, I, I, and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, who decided to all of a sudden in episode 12 to have these sound effects during a bloody challenge? Like, someone's just like, you know what? We're nearly at the end of this game, but uh, let's start adding in random sound effects when they're breaking open uh, wooden boxes to get their letters. And, and it's not just once. It's not no. just twice. It's like 15 times. Can we can we try this out to our editor, who, let's be honest, is me, but we'll call him Jim for right now. Can we just, like, for the following, like, minute, just every time I pause, we hear that sound effect because it really adds to the feeling of what we're trying to say. Matt, you give it a try. See if it works for you. Well, it's that sound <laughs> that every time something big, that it just happens. <laughs> Mate, I tell you what, Ben, it was so random. And I was watching it and I was like, if Ben doesn't criticize this, you were the most biased podcaster in history. It was bad, Ben. And like you said, they didn't just do it once or twice. They did it for every bloody contestant. It's funny that you brought it up because I had writ- I've got it written in front of me, like big, like, hey, mention this goddamn sound thing. Because, like, yeah, like you're right. It it, it it's odd. And the thing about it that makes it even odder is that it sounds like it's a tin can sound effect from like a 1970s B-grade martial arts film that's dubbed over from someone in freaking Burkina Faso or something like that. Like it is, it's not even a professional sounding thing. Now we, we have had Jack Roman on the show. We've talked up his theme. He's talked up his music. It was one of the biggest criticisms this season had at the time, and it, it holds up so well to this day. But, yeah, I, I I think we need to get Jack Roman on just to literally question, like, was this you? Did you put this in? Because it just – it is it is odd. It does take you away. It's kind of like that one time, was it uh, Worlds Apart, when they added a Wilhelm scream uh, when, when Will fell down the slide, and then we've just had it in Winners at War when they decided to dub in a – like randomly, it, it, there are things in Survivor that don't work. And like, I am so critical of Channel 10 for their super over the top dramatic music of every little thing. This, this, yeah, you're right. This is on par with Channel 10 making everything the most dramatic thing in the world. 
I don't think you can blame Jack Robin for this. He's a composer. He's not the editor. They've just got this random sound effect. His wife is an editor, though, so maybe it was Jack Robin's wife that can be blamed for this. I don't know. Maybe there was a contract where basically Jack Robin had to have a certain amount of music or sound effects put in and they got to episode 12 and they were basically like, fuck, we're, we're 87 sound effects below the quota. Shit, um, cut something out of one of those songs and and let's do it. Let's 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 add a couple of these sound effects in. Yeah, like those. Like it's just for now on, I'll tell you what, Matt. I'll tell you what. For now on, when I, one of us tells a clangor of a joke or, or does something that's, you know, like there's, you know, like you're waiting for an audience laugh, it's something like a sitcom, we're gonna we're gonna add that sound effect in. I love it. Ben, I'm glad you're on the same page with me. It's uh yeah, it doesn't hold up well all these years later, that sound effect. But talking about random things, so when Katie wins, she has the big comeback, she wins. Lincoln, he gives Katie the bear. If you look closely in the background, what the hell is Rob doing? So Katie's already won and Rob's still in the background trying to spell out words, even though he's clearly lost because Lincoln's already handing Katie the bear. And Rob's in the background trying to spell out the word survive and pieces are falling off the bloody, um, they've got like a pallet off the, that's so it's not on the sand and pieces are falling off. And Rob's like, I don't know if he's just oblivious to the fact that he's lost and Katie's won like 10 seconds earlier or if he's determined to spell out this word survive. I I did not notice that. I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, it's kind of like one of those ones where, uh, you know, the, the players will still finish the challenge because they want to, but maybe Rob's like, how did how does she spell Aurora? Like, I don't believe this or something well, like that. Well, I actually went back and watched it because I was like, what the hell's Rob doing? It was so random, so weird. And I thought maybe, because I know Rob's a smart guy, I thought maybe he was trying to spell out something like, you know, for his wife or kids at home that would make it like on camera, but he's not. He's He's just trying to spell out the word survive, but it's like, why the challenge ended like 10 15 seconds ago uh, I'm looking at it now and i can see yeah, it yeah it's so random so random maybe he's just so anti katie at this point that he's just like <laughs> you know something like that but it, like it's again i love the fact that she wins a freaking teddy bear and she like kisses it like it's so great like it's just and like any one of these people winning this teddy bear would have been great let's be honest but like katie winning it it's kind of cute and we see a little shot of all the, the stuff that Katie wins. And, of course, there's the, the bed and the, and the sleeping bag from our good friends at Black Wolf. Thank you. Oh, so I was about uh, to say there is a sponsor. I was, I was thinking this would have been like a good friends at Katmandu or something like that. But, no, okay, I didn't, no, I didn't notice that. Well, they don't. They, he doesn't say our good friends at Black Wolf, but the, the camera zooms in and you can see nicely the sleeping bag with the words Black Wolf on it. So I'm assuming our good friends at Black Wolf uh, <laughs> uh, provided those um, – those uh, equipment for that for that challenge. So we'll, uh, you know, I, I'm I love uh, traveling, Ben. So I'm I'm more than happy to be a Black Wolf ambassador. I do appreciate Rob as well. Like and like, let's be honest, Rob. Rob, this episode again, we're talking about a bit of a supporting player, but Rob's kind of got a bit of a dickery around himself because like. He's very conniving this episode. He's going to Joel like, we pulled it off, we did it. And then here he is. He's the audacity in front of Katie to just be like, oh, looks like we can fit two people in there tonight. Like, oh, you know, just I do love Rob kind of buttering Katie up still because, again, Rob's a smart man. Rob can, like, Katie's not hiding her emotions. Clearly Rob can tell Katie's pissed off. Uh, But it's just I kind of just like Rob kind of doing that because Shona's playing it completely differently to Robbie's. So it's, it's fun. But, yeah, Katie names the bear Ben. 
what can I say? This is Bed My Bear. I I thank you, Katie. You're you're welcome for having my name. It's it's there for you to use. Make sure we ask Katie if she still has the bear. We oh definitely. Absolutely. We will be asking that. That's the first question. <laughs> yes. And we'll need it we'll need it at the reunion. We'll need to bring Ben the Bear down to the reunion if she still has it. Absolutely. Um this is also where we get that little slow piece of music, Matt Dyson. Now you it's funny, you messaged me and you were like, Oh, do you have that piece? We should use it. I'm like, No, I don't have that piece. Let's let's message Jack and ask. And yeah, I've I've written down here great version of theme, slow and sad, but it's it's a mood fitter. That they make up for do do do. Oh, sorry, hang on a minute. Let me try that again. They make up for straight away by playing this great piece of music. Like you've forgotten about that crappy sound effect immediately. Oh, absolutely. This this goes for 30 seconds, and you're right. It, it, it's it's almost emotional. Like I this this theme, this slow version theme of of season one's um, you know opening credit theme is um, it's just it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I was speechless when I heard it. I messaged you, Ben, straight away as you just said, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, do we do we have this theme? And you're like, "No, we're not." I've messaged Jack Robin. Hopefully, he'll be able to send us a copy of it. But it it, it goes for about thirty seconds, and and. Just in that, it starts off with this great shot of Whaler's Way. We've mentioned it, the cliffs going out, the water, the cliffs in the background. Then it's just um, it shows some footage of them back at camp eating eating some of those shells. Um, and then there's shots of like kangaroos jumping around. But it goes for 30 seconds and it, it's incredible. And I really hope we can get this theme and play it on this podcast because we know we've got the, the dance, the techno version that we often play at the end of our, our podcast, but – this is one we have to get. I know we've wasted about, let's be honest, half an hour now probably talking about side side topics, but in all seriousness, this episode just doesn't let up. I mean, you've got a 30-second piece there of music and just basically scenic shots, but you're so entranced in this episode. Let, let's be honest with the terrible sound effect that we just talked about. Like, yeah, it's terrible and bad, but like you, you kind of forget about it pretty quickly because you just got so much other good stuff happening in this episode. It's kind of it's interesting. And we have some great stuff in the sort of middle part here before we get to the immunity challenge. Katie and Sophie's chat in the bushes is fantastic. I love the way they're sort of like, hey, I found you. Cool, let's chat. Very modern survivor. This is like very much like sneak to the water well, let's have a chat. We get some great Katie confessionals here. You know, there's this weaseling behind my back. I do hate Shona and Rob. That's going to cause hatred in me. Like, I just, the gold of Katie, that she is just such a fantastic character as well as a player that she literally, what, like three, four episodes ago, was like, oh, Rob, I love you, I love you. Now she, I hate Rob. I hate him. I mean, we had that with Craig. I don't think we really even talked up that aspect. Within the first day of her meeting Craig, she's all like, oh, I could be stranded on an island with him forever to, oh, he's a manipulative little shit and I hate him. Like, Katie is brilliant. Fuck you, Channel 10, for not calling her to come back because she is just gold. It makes me angry. Hashtag bring back Katie Gold. Ben, anytime you're talking about Katie's relationship with Craig, remember you've got to call Craig a creep. Sorry, yes, creep. Creep. If this was Survivor Amazon, we'd be bringing up Christy and he's creepy. He's creepy. Um, no, I... Channel 10, I love you. You're great. Thanks for giving me Matt Dyson. Thanks for bringing back Australian Survivor. I would like to play the game one time. Please be, you know, I'm sorry. I don't really mean you to get fucked. But seriously, you should have brought Katie back. 
Okay, we've we've found out recently that Guy Leach supposedly was called for All Stars. So clearly, there's someone in Channel Ten that possibly acknowledges the existence of the older seasons. Katie Gold's still in prime condition. She's a great person. These moments we're trying to point out to you show that she is a great character. Anyway, calming down, Ben. Uh, just just moving on. Squirrel, squirrel. I've learned this new saying in Canada now that when you go on a tangent, people say squirrel, squirrel, because you're like a squirrel and you're burrowing. It took me a while to understand it, but, hey, Canadians are weird. Um, hello to all our Canadians listening. I love you. Um, <laughs> what is happening? Um, yes. So, Katie, this is where Katie tells Sophie about uh, the deal and opens up about their sort of alliance and the Rob deal. Sophie kind of says a similar thing that there was a promise of going to the end. So it's all out in the open. Everything's out in the air right now. We get um, the chicken arrives and Rob again buttering up Katie like, oh, you know, that emu I was trying to hunt before. I didn't get that, but here's a chicken. And then I just, again, Katie just doesn't give a fuck. Katie's just like, uh-huh. And then a another great confessional from Katie. Which, and this is this is where you, Matt Dyson, are getting excited but then getting angry pretty quickly because Katie at least acknowledges this. She's kind of like, I don't want to share this. These guys have backstabbed me. I don't feel like this, but I feel like I have to suck this up and just let it go because I can't let them see, you know, she she says it several times this episode, I can't let them see how this has affected me. It's going to be bad for my game. And this is brilliant gameplay. This is Survivor in the early 2000s when it is so much more about social and friendships than it is about blind sides and idols and things like that. So this is the key element to this game right now, and Katie's playing this perfectly. She would not have any chance to potentially sway Joel if she all of a sudden is in front of a camp right now going, fuck you, you're dumb as dog shit, blah, 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 until she does that next week. You and the listeners know how much I hate when they have to, well, they don't have to, but they share the reward. Uh, but you're right. I think Katie didn't really have an option here. She she. She got delivered the chicken. Rob brings over the chicken. Can I say that was not a big chicken? No. I don't know what sort of chickens they've got down in Whaler's Way or in Port Lincoln, but <laughs> they don't have Ingham's. A, like, <laughs> couldn't they just bloody brought her a turkey or something? A big bloody scrub turkey? I don't know, but but yeah, don't have Ingham's. I like that. But um, our bad look, friends at Ingham's. <laughs> I like the fact that yeah, I like the fact that Katie was thinking to herself, and she says it in a confessional, like, "I just want to eat the chicken myself," you know, but. I've got to keep the peace I, and, you know, I can't let her know that it's getting to me and she shares it. But I I hate them. I mean, that's where they should. This was a, such a good episode. Imagine if she got to just choose one person. She would have taken Joel probably. If she got to go and enjoy that chicken with someone else, I got no doubt she would have taken Joel. They could have gone off, enjoyed the chicken, uh, enjoyed a chartreuse liqueur. <laughs> <laughs> and and talked about the game and maybe that was going to be enough to persuade Joel to, to side with her and Sophie. But once again, they just have the reward at the challenge. I got no doubt if Stephen Peters had his time over again, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have allowed him to, to share the reward at, at camp. That 100%. was a mistake. 100%. It was a mistake. And, look, you, you've opened my eyes to this, man. I've never really thought about it too much. I thought, like, okay, well, it's kind of silly, but, hey, it's the mateship season. But, yeah, no, you're right. And I think that the problem, too, I think moving forward now, and Katie will share a reward next week, that you're kind of obligated to do it now, aren't you, because Lance set the precedent. So it's kind of once Lance did it, Jane, we obviously found out, did it. That just wasn't shown. Now Katie's done it. Whoever wins it has to do it now. 
you have to. Yeah, otherwise you'd be an absolute scumbag. Like you, you have to do it, and that's what I don't like about it. That you're not even really given a choice at the end. You, there's not a choice. You have to share it because. If you don't, like imagine the outroar. But I've got to admit, though, as much as I hate it, it does end up creating a great line here because uh, Rob actually says to Katie, because they're sharing the chicken, and Rob says to Katie, oh, and I'm going to climb into your bed with you tonight. And then Shona says, oh, I think I've just lost my toy boy. And Rob <laughs> says, you have, you have. <laughs> oh, I love that's it. great. Well, I think I see too. I, I, I don't know if you do this, but, like, particularly in the early seasons of any of the US Survivor, it's always fun to try and spot the camera or spot, like, you know, a, a crew person. And there's many very obvious scenes in US Survivor, particularly on there. I mean, they're clearly there are every now and then in modern Survivor, but they kind of have gotten the angles and everything correct. There's actually a very obvious boom mic in uh, around the campfire here uh, when they're eating the chicken in the top right-hand corner. If you if you pay close attention, it's it, uh, it as soon as it popped into the shot i'm like oh boom mike and that was i think the first time this season i've really seen a, a piece of equipment yeah i didn't actually see that um, i know in my season actually in my episode which they edited to make out that i blew the immunity challenge which i didn't um that there's a a, a cameraman actually they show it and the cameraman's actually like in right in the middle of the challenge so they forgot to edit that so out the cameraman but, um, blew the challenge not matt dyson <laughs> there it is <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, look, it, it can happen occasionally. But, yeah, in those very early seasons, I mean, in season one, Borneo, they didn't even try to hide the fact. Uh, I mean, I know that's different, no. though. Well, no, I think and this is, like, maybe this is coming from watching it from the very beginning where this is a new genre and it's been portrayed as real and reality. This is all, you know, accurate that you are trying to find little things. And, I mean, that's like when they found out that they would tell them to walk down the beach again so they can get a better shot. Like as soon as people found out they did that, there was huge outcry. This isn't real. This is fake. Like you're clearly making them do this. And things now that we just know happen, it's it's clear as day. But, um, yeah, that was that was a fun element of the early. So, and I think from memory the last time I did a rewatch of the US Survivor, in the first 10 seasons there was always at least, you know, multiple in the in the shot that you could see. But nowadays, yeah, like I, I couldn't tell you in modern Australian or US Survivor when I ever see them because I guess now they're filming at the same location all the bloody time so they know where to prop a camera and where shit's going down. It's it's interesting actually you mentioned about you uh, blowing the challenge. You've only got four seasons, Matt, to keep coming up with the excuses. So turn it up, mate. Come on. Just, you know, you've got that one hater out there who's commented on some of our posts, you know. You've got four seasons to come up with the excuses, all right? Good uh, job. <laughs> Luckily, it's uh, four seasons away. Indeed. Uh, but, yeah, so much stuff going on here. We've got uh, Rob and Sophie having a little moment. I love, this is not not something we see often. Panicky Rob. We're kind of, Rob's just kind of like, what's going on, Sophie? And Sophie's like, you're all fired up. You're all G'd up. What's going on here? And Rob, I don't know how, like, he plays this because he's basically like, I'm playing an individual game now. And it's like, okay, like, are you, what are you trying to say there? Um, and then I, there's a, when Katie comes into this conversation, I love it when Rob says to Katie, Rob goes, I'm feeling vulnerable right now. And just the look on Katie, it's just a subtle little moment. Katie just kind of looks at him and just shrugs her shoulders as if to say, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, Katie's just, like, no fucks given at this point. And I just, I love this whole sequence because this is, if this was Modern Survivor, we would be, like, talking this up as, wow, this is such great television. Again, this is where we need to really amp this up because you've literally got Rob, who is no intention of siding with Katie and Sophie. He is playing them. He is thinking, great, I'm going to 
get these girls to believe me. They're going to be fantastic. I've got them on site. I'm safe and I'll just vote out, you know, one of these girls in just a moment. Of course, he wants to vote out Katie and Shona wants to vote out uh, Sophie. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that in just a second. But Rob kind of here playing up to the girls. Rob even comes up with a genius plan. Let's be honest, this is fantastic. Like, how about you take Joel for some water? We'll tire him out so he can't win because they're basically implying like, yeah, we're going to vote out Joel. So, like, that's brilliant. Like, that's like, hey, let's tire him out. He's going to suck on the challenge. Rob buggers off, and then we get maybe one of the greatest little conversations in the history of Australian Survivor Season 1 and maybe all of Australian Survivor. Katie and Rob, uh, Katie and Sophie are basically like, oh, what a what a sleaze ball or whatever it is. And then like we got Katie in a confessional going like he offends me. And then now you and I have back and forth trying to work out what is said. I'm gonna read out what I wrote. This is my interpretation. You've got your own interpretation here. Katie says he's a I said rugrat. I, I think you mentioned you got something else there. Then we can now let him take it up the ass. To which then Katie says. She just set he just set up a thing for us with Joel. And I don't I don't know if this is a part where he says she it might be later on, I might be jumping here where she says we are woman here as raw. But then she drops the great line of I give myself goosebumps, I'm so good. And she has a little evil laugh. Now, okay, Katie clearly is a villain of this season, but that is just fucking fantastic. She's gone from he's a sleaze ball. He's a rogue rat or something. He should take it up the ass. He set a thing up with us with Joel. I give myself goosebumps. I'm so good. Channel 10, I'm not going to be rude this time, but come on. I would send you this clip right now and say, you are missing out on having this woman return. Yeah, well, I've got that she says, um, <laughs> and, and you're right, I messaged you straight away and I'm like, did she actually yeah. say that? But she does. She's. She calls him a sleaze bag. That's to Sophie. Like she's describing Rob to Sophie. She's like, oh, he's such a sleaze bag. And then she's like, oh, now he can take, now we can take him up the ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. So, yeah, she says, now we can take him up the ass. Meaning, like, because, and she says it in a previous confessional that she said, we can barely look at Rob. She can barely, she, he offends her. He offends her. Um, she makes him upset. And, um, She's finding it hard to be nice to him, and so she, but she's pretending with Rob that oh yep yep no it's still good yep no okay yep fine, and then she knows she's saying to herself we we've got him we've got him now we now we can take Rob up the ass like <laughs> and she says it and then she's right and then she says it gives me goosebumps how good I am um great line like and she, she calls him a, sorry and I hear that she calls him a root rat just before a root rat okay root rat so she says. Rob's a root rat, and now we can take him up the ass. That's what I hear. Make, makes more sense than a rogue rat. I don't know what a yeah, rogue no, no. rat is, but because that's what she's saying. She's like, yeah. It's, it, I mean, a- this is this is what next episode will live off. Is just Katie Gold's emotions and what just basically pinpoints it as the most amazing episode you will see in this season, and maybe any. Australian Survivor season. But this is just a glimmer, and because this is the beauty of Katie, because. I like she's not again. I keep pointing this out. She's not hiding her emotions at all. Rob knows. Rob is not dumb. I, I again will say I connect with Katie here because I'm Katie in this situation. I can't hide my emotions. Rob pisses off, and I'm gonna be saying, "Yeah, let's take him up the ass." I'm so good. All this kind of stuff. And what is so brilliant about Katie is that, like, 
She is working out the plan. She is working out a contingency now knowing that, okay, I'm not getting to the end with Rob. I need to work out another way to get to the end. Check that off the list. She's doing it. She's playing on her emotions. She's also getting to that real cocky level of, hey, this is working. We are going to be so good. Now, okay, that ultimately backfires on her because clearly it doesn't work. She doesn't get Joel on side, but she doesn't know Joel's made a deal. So she is just basically, of course, she's got to play with Joel. And again, this is a 22-year-old kid who has been living on his emotions the entire time, living on a knife's edge. So, of course, you're going to be able to easily talk to him and think, and let's be honest, Joel, in a moment, he's going to say in his confessionals, well, hey, I could easily get to the final two if I go with these girls. So it's not like Joel has literally said, I'm not making any deals. I am going to just go one way. He's at least thinking about it. So... Yeah, Katie, fantastic. So good here. Sophie as well, just the way she's kind of just level-headed and balances is out. Amazing. And, yeah, this scene backtracking, which I, I guess, yeah, you f- feel free to talk about this, Matt, because I kind of gelled over it to let you talk about it. But the whole section here where Rob and Shona kind of almost have their first little fight. This whole period of plays is hectic. Like, it's the yeah. first time I think It's modern Survivor-esque. Where- yeah, it is. It is. It's absolutely hectic. You're like, holy shit, like what's going on? And you're right. It all starts with Rob and Shona almost having a little bit of disagreement because Rob tells Shona, I want Katie gone. And Shona's like, no, 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 no. I want Sophie gone. And uh, Shona talks about how Sophie's so smart and that Katie's she's actually weak at the moment. She's got injuries and she's mentally getting a bit weak. And Rob's not convinced. He's like, no, no, no. He's adamant. He wants Katie gone, and you can clear. And Shona's not backing down either. She wants Sophie gone. So it all create. It, that's how it all starts. And then we go on to what we just talked about about Katie and Shona coming up with these plans and trying to get uh, Joel by himself. And it, it's hectic. And I have a question on that in just a second. We might as well just sort of wrap this moment up before we get to the immunity challenge because basically it leads into what I just said. Uh, Joel sort of is being talked to here. Sophie and Katie lay it all out in the line to him, tell her the truth about the whole alliance. Joel's kind of like, hey, I didn't know this was going on. Um, And then basically they say to Joel, like, hey, come to the end with us. And Joel drops the line of, hey, you know, I could beat these two easily. Um, You know, Rob would go next. But the question I have to ask about that, and we'll find this out, from uh from Shona when we get her on the show about kind of how that would have played out. Who 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 who's right there? Because I mean, I think Rob to me is clearly he's worried because he knows if Katie gets to the end with Rob, Katie can play that up very well of hey, we had an alliance. Rob had four different alliances going on saying get to the end. I made it here. I did this. I did that. So I think Rob is just worried that he does not want to get anywhere near the end with Katie because he knows he has backstabbed her and it's not going to play out well for him in the slightest. But Shona, on the other hand, is not wrong either because, again, as we talked about Sophie earlier on, clearly a lot of people thought Sophie was going to win. And let's be honest, this is a period of Survivor where you've got a good life story, you're going to get votes. Sophie's a, a mother of two young children at that point. She She's played a solid game. She hasn't ruffled any feathers in the slightest. Sophie is probably going to win if she gets to the end. Again, as you said, she would have a completely different edit. So you can see arguments on both sides, but I'd love to see your opinion. Like who who's more in the right there? Who is the right person to take out if neither of them had immunity? Well, I'd love to find out what who would have gone if neither of them won immunity because we don't know. We'll, we'll And hopefully when we talk to Shona, she'll actually 
tell us what who did they actually agree on before the immunity challenge? Did they agree on Sophie going or did they agree on on Katie? Because Katie obviously wins immunity, so it means that Sophie's the only one that, that they end up voting for. But I think personally, I think Shona had a better relationship with Katie and I felt and I maybe and, and I could be completely wrong, but I feel that Shona probably felt more comfortable taking Katie that one step further than Sophie. And I think she knew that Katie had already, she was done with Rob. So I think Shona, Shona's a smart woman. She was probably weighing that out and thinking, well, Katie staying in the game doesn't really hurt me that much. She, 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 Shona knows that Katie hates Rob at this stage. So, and I think maybe she was scared of Shona. I think of Sophie. I think Shona knows Sophie is a smart woman. And like you said, the whole single mother with kids, you know, is going to be harder to beat at the end. So, yeah, look, it's a hard one, but I can see it from both point of views. And I, uh, I, I was about to say that exact same thing. So I was going to say devil's advocate with Rob. Rob's exactly the opposite with Sophie going to the yeah. end is better for him um, because he has a better relationship with Sophie. He's made that deal. And let's be honest, Rob, within the last, what, four or five weeks has basically all but said, no, Katie's not coming to the end with me. So, yeah, absolutely. And th- th- you're right. Shona's the answer to this question. Shona will tell us what that would have been because that, that would have been very interesting. Um, let's be honest, we're glad Katie wins immunity because otherwise we don't get next week um, <laughs> and then this season would have been. I don't think Sophie is coming back to camp going, you're dumb as dog shit and I'm going to kill everyone. Like Sophie's too nice for that, although she might pee on everyone. I don't really know. Um but the immunity challenge, now, I think you kind of mentioned to me off air that you were kind of intrigued what I would think of this. And it's actually funny you said that because there are definitely elements of this which are kind of a bit like, oh, that's a bit cheap. That's a bit, you know, like what have they done here? But I actually like this immunity challenge, Matt Dyson, because I think it it's a little bit different. Like it makes you think, like I love kind of the riddle aspect that you kind of you've got a trap that you have to go through. I love the blindfolded maze and even like the random little like sticks that they've got to build into triangles and like think laterally and kind of all those sort of things like that. Um, I Yeah, it's... I like this challenge. I do. Like I actually like this challenge. And it's it's kind of like Survivor Thailand gets a lot of shit for the Tangram challenge. And I actually kind of like the Tangram challenge because it's a little bit different. But I don't know. I like this. I like the riddles and I like the, you know, the aspects of that and things like that. So, yeah, I like this immunity challenge. Yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence with this one, Ben. It's for the second last episode, I don't love this challenge. I don't hate it. I don't know. I just, I mean, it's, it's in about seven different stages. It's. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that it's a challenge that you have on the penultimate episode when so much is on the line. And I think the way it was done, it was kind of done on the cheap as well. Um, it was something we've talked about, some of the challenges being a bit of a backyard job. Um, it wasn't It wasn't some grand maze challenge with like all these little bits at the end. It, it, it wasn't great and it, it did smell of cheap to me. Uh, look, I can see that. I'm not going to come and come out to you and say, you know, that you're wrong because you're right. And I think a lot of the challenges at the very end here definitely show that. I mean, the, the final challenge is hitting me. Like it, the, the, the final challenge has got shades of the challenge I hate. Let's not deny it. But at the same time, I 
Ah, we'll get to that next week because I, I I feel like I'm going to be sounding like a hypocrite next week when I blasted a challenge a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, you're right. But I don't know. There's just this. Is, okay, this is what I think they could have done with that challenge a couple of weeks ago. They could have just done a little bit differently, not just literally weigh yourself. Get me a heavy rock. Like that's all they did. We talked about that. Get the meat. Like do something a little bit visually stimulating for the eyes on television. Nothing's exciting about watching someone stand on a scale and find out how much you weigh. This, I think at least you have the maze element, which is a bit interesting. You've got, I think the thing that I think sells this is the brain teasers because I'm thinking at the same time. I'm going, hmm, yeah, which one would that be? Whereas I don't fucking have a clue how much Jane weighs or Joel weighs and I don't know what, water is too late. Like, I think it's almost got that audience intrigue to this. That's where I think this takes it over the line a bit for me. Yeah, look, and and it's one where throughout the, the challenge, obviously with the clues, they people get to choose who goes in what. So, you know, you're going to be choosing your alliance, like your alliance members to go into the areas that, uh, that are best going to suit who you want to win. Obviously, everyone wants themselves to win, but just before we get into this actual challenge as well, something that's really important we need to talk about is the the, the Robin Joel because we, we we did discuss about Sophie and Katie going to the the well with with Joel and and they end up bearing all the, the whole plans about what's happened in the past about all the um the the the, the actual alliance the, the original four alliance so they bear all to Joel. This is the first time he's actually hearing what the original original plan was. But then, of course, Rob, he actually tells Joel, look, now you're going to be going to the water well with these girls, but look, everything's still good. And there's Rob actually goes to give Joel the high, it's like a high five handshake. And it's a great line because I mentioned it right at the start. Joel's like, oh, now Rob's here, finally a high five guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I've got demons I'm, I'm sort of worrying he's like oh demons what what demons is about the games oh yeah yeah but yeah he finally becomes a high five guy with 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 joel and we know from the last episode he was not wanting to high five joel which goes into that exuberant joel in this episode i mean we're going to get some great lines from him after the the immunity challenge but yeah i love that little oh you're a high five man now like just the way he kind of drops out um but Katie wins this immunity challenge. Got it. I like the, the elimination stages of it. So basically, it starts off with a blindfolded maze, which, I mean, let's be honest, build this maze a little bit bigger. That's your immunity oh, challenge. That was terrible. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. That was terrible. That was like that. the, the shower the reward they got at Merge was bigger than that bloody maze challenge. Well, I mean, Heroes vs. Villains and many other US seasons, I mean, the final challenge for that one, because you go around the maze and you've got to collect the discs, like that's a challenge they don't do in US Survivor anymore. Great challenge. I'm still dirty on that challenge to this day because if Jerry had a fucking won that, she would have won that season. Oh, God, Jerry is a winner of Survivor. Wouldn't that just make you happy? Um, that's Jerry Manthe, by the way. No disrespect to Jerry Sims on Token Cheens. Great player as well. I would have liked to have seen him win it as well. But Jerry Manthe, she's a queen. Um, speaking of queens, hello, Jane, if you're listening. Um, but... <laughs> So like but we didn't really mention her after last week, Matt. Um, but, but you talk about maze challenge. I think was there a maze in that one of the, the final episodes of Redemption Island where, mm. where, where Rob Mariano? They, they like, used to that, do mazes in like that was the like Guatemala had the maze challenge and All Stars have like that used to be yeah, like the big epic final yeah, four challenge. There's been a lot of them, but they're on a grand scale. This yeah. was a little a little tin shed, no bigger than 
than the club rugby shit house. Like it was, it was tiny. Ten percent of the budget, matter the US one. Remember that they did spend a lot of money on that fire challenge that fucked up, and they they rent a pretty expensive boat next week. So, oh, uh, <laughs> and that that shit. that little uh, remote control boat that Lincoln got, not cheap. So no, you know, that's that's true. That's and true. and let's be honest, the money from Lay's and our good friends at Reebok and Intel and all that sort of stuff hadn't arrived yet. I mean, they only got the Reebok shirts in episode twelve. So you know. Couldn't Black Wolf have chucked in a few extra thousand dollars or something? I don't know. They spent all that money on that bloody webcam. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where the, that's where all the money went, Matt, that webcam. And also using this sound effect. Every time we play that, that costs them a thousand dollars. That webcam better be in the Port Lincoln Museum. When we go down <laughs> to the reunion, we're going to the museum and that bloody webcam better be there. That that's the uh, that's Port Lincoln's Eiffel Tower. That everyone climbs that to like get a view of Port Lincoln and Whalers Way. Um, I do I do laugh at the 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 maze though when Rob he's kind of like comes out of the maze and he's almost like got the mummy arms going like <laughs> walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> I've actually written that down, Ben. What was that? He's he's doing it right from the start. And then oh. as he comes, if you watch it, right from the start, when Lincoln says go, he's doing it. I'm like, what is this bloke doing? And then yeah. at the end of it, he comes out of it doing the same thing. It's like, you know, when we said a couple of episodes ago when he he was doing the, um, oh, what was that impression? Uh, the, the rowboat thing when he was doing the rowboat? No, the birds, Thunderbirds. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a cross between Thunderbirds and bloody something else. I don't know. Um, and one thing too, actually, strategy for this one's pretty simple if you ask me, right? You've got five people going into a maze. Now, three people go one way, two people go the other. Literally stick to the group of three, get in front of that group of three, and no matter what happens, if you're the last group, you will not be eliminated because only one person gets eliminated. So that to me is a clear-cut strategy in this challenge. Shown is eliminated, sadly. Then we get a triangle building you've got to get four equal triangles that can't cross sticks they've got to be equal length you've got to think laterally rob gets it and this is this is a part of the challenge i actually like so then they get given a clue and then you've got four traps in front of you basically and if you get the wrong one you get trapped and you are eliminated so this one has four symbols we have a turtle an octopus a dolphin and a shark Rob, because he won the challenge beforehand, gets to choose what order it goes in. So basically Rob has to work out the cryptic clue, put himself in a safe spot, and basically eliminate who he wants to eliminate. So the clue is, uh, the clue is, I have it written here, uh, on your head, be the killer close. That's the clue. I knew I'd written it down. So, okay, to me this one's an obvious one. You have a freaking shark, a turtle, a dolphin, and an octopus. I hear the word killer. Shark, okay? Clearly, shark's the odd one out. Rob puts himself under the fucking shark. Now, is this deliberate or do you think Rob just didn't get the clue? He didn't get the clue at all. He, he was confused and, uh, may, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking, but um, he, he did mention in an earlier confessional that his brain was getting a bit scrambled True. and uh, this is exactly what he's talking about. His brain was fried by this stage and, yeah, he ends up eliminating himself. Yeah, so and the clue was that it was the only killer. Lincoln points it out, of course. Um, so then the next one is kind of like well, the, I used to have a game like this where you basically got to get uh, rings from one stick to another. There's like three sticks. You can't put the big ones on top of the small ones 
and you gotta you gotta work it. I I never used to get them when I was a kid. I was dumb, still am. But Katie wins this one, and now instead of having a tall sort of shower sized trap, you have tiger traps now. And the clue reads: Tiger, tiger, burning bright. There'll be no supper for you tonight. In one of these tiger cages, there's a coffee scroll. Another, there's a pear. Another one, there's a shell. Now, again, this is what I enjoyed about this. It's been you know, a few months since I watched this episode. I couldn't remember. But then I was all of a sudden like, well, hang on a minute. Supper, you can eat a coffee scroll, you can eat a pear, you can't eat a shell. Okay, that makes sense. So shell's the odd one out. That is correct. Joel gets in the cage. Joel's dead. He's locked in a tiger cage. And basically, he's gone. And then the final one... They have to throw a little hacky sack into the toilet. That's kind of cool. Like it's, you know, it's kind of like those challenges where you've got to throw like a ball on the flat platform and you've got to hold it still, you know, those sort of challenges. And it was cheap. It was cheap as they come. It was cheap, but it was still entertaining. It's more entertaining than fucking weighing themselves, Matt Dyson. Um, Katie does it. And this one again, uh, I felt smart because I got this one straight away. Choose the right path. Decide your fate. Only the correct path should you take. What's left will only bring misery. That was the easiest bloody clue. Like as if Don't you weren't going to choose. Don't take my smarts, Matt. <laughs> as if you weren't going to choose the right one, like the right side. Because of course it was. It says what's left will only bring misery. Like of course that means if you go on the left plank, you're not going to win. You, yeah, and of course Sophie does, and she falls down. And it's I mean that was brutal. an easy one for Kate. That it's was the, an easy one for Katie to pick. It's very brutal, though, the way that breaks, though. Like, it's it, it's full on breaks. It, it, it Absolutely. It, I thought, oh, geez, like, she could have hurt herself then. But obviously, by that stage, they didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's only Sophie. She nearly got swept off rocks a couple of weeks ago. It's all right. She's got a death wish. But, yeah, Katie wins her uh, very first immunity. Congratulations to Katie. And, uh, yeah, she, she gets the double. And this is... Second, she'll let's spoil it. She wins the next reward challenge, so she goes on a bit of a three challenge winning streak here. Uh, and and she was very close in at least two of the other immunity challenges. So, Katie, very much a bit of a challenge, which kind of surprised me earlier when Shona said she's got a bad leg, she's not going to be good in challenges. I'm kind of going to want to eliminate Katie. This woman's a professional athlete, she's a beast. And the thing with Katie is she's a competitor, you know, yeah. so whether she is injured or not, she's always going to give 100%. She's never going to back down and she, she she's there to win. And, uh, yeah, she wins this challenge. So, yeah, Katie Katie wins the immunity challenge and we're going to move on here to, to afterwards. And you look angry at me. What have I done? Well, once again, Ben, with the first reward challenge, you, you were going to cut me off and not lead, let me read the challenge mail. You did oh, it again. I don't know if you... I'm taking your only job away on this show. I was going to say, you know, I pride myself on reading Sorry, these challenge mails, and this episode, you've tried to do it to me twice. So you know what, Ben? I know we've just discussed the whole uh, the, the immunity challenge, but I'm going to read the challenge mail anyway. But before so you do, do that, it- I've got to play this sound effect. Yeah, that's the the, the Ben is an idiot sound effect. <laughs> that dun dun. So the challenge mail for this immunity challenge, it was uh, Joel and Sophie went and collected it. So it says, "This challenge will amaze. This challenge will confuse." At each stage, there's a winner whose task it is to choose. The partners who will join the next round in the game until only two are left and then your path will appear the same. One will fall, the others stand tall to to claim immunity's fame. Good job, Matt Dyson. I apologise for stealing your thunder. What am I doing here? 
Ben, this is what I do these podcasts for. You know I'm the challenge mail guy. I'm getting excited because, like, you know, the quicker we get through these episodes, the quicker we get to speak to Katie in a couple of weeks, all right? I'm just kind of like, get through it, get through it, get through it. Katie's coming on the show. Um, Great stuff again. There's not a bad thing in this episode. It may be the sound effect and you don't like the challenge, but. You know, the amazing thing is all that, all that we've just discussed all happened on day 34. That was a bloody big day in this game because we're only up to day 35 now. So all of that. That was a lot to happen in day 34. That was pretty much mayhem. Which is unusual because you, so 35, so day 36, so there's only, what, three days left, four days left for the final four, which they usually do that over like three days now, don't they? Like I, yeah, well, something like that. that was so the there first, was an extra that, day in there, Stephen Peters. You could have reshot that goddamn <laughs> first challenge. He could have, he could have. But yeah, that was the first time this season that we've seen it in only an episode only be two, two days. And, and maybe this is why this episode is so good because there's like obviously so much content that they're doing around it that they could show extra stuff and perhaps who knows with that sort of stuff. But again, great stuff happening afterwards. We get Katie talking about Rob the night before holding her hand. I just love Katie here. Like, yeah, I, he held my hand and I didn't hold it. I was just, I left it limp. He betrayed me. Uh, like, I just love Katie just continuing going on with this. And the, all the meantime, he's got like backed up by Rob, literally carving a keys to marriage thing. Yet Katie's just all on camera saying, this married man is like sleeping next to me and holding my hand. <laughs> so Yeah, it, it was interesting. But I like how she said, yeah, it, it, her hand went limp. I thought that yeah. was... um. And I love this though. I love this, this is one of these like Shona's got a couple of zingers in this episode where like basically Rob's here car- carving this keys to marriage, and then he's like, "Oh, do you think I could change this to keys to survivor? Respect, trust, honesty, friendship, loyalty, and love?" And Shona just without even thinking, I think that'll be the biggest lie you've told all bloody decade. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant because I actually did like that. And we we know Rob, he he's a master carver. He he loves carving all this stuff, but. I mentioned it in my intro to this episode. We talk about that he he the keys to marriage, which I thought was pretty good. But then for him to to then put it into the game context and then to Shona to be so quick witted and you know say, well, that's the biggest lie you, you've told. You know, like it was it was a good little part of the. I, I liked it to start off day thirty five. I thought that was a really good editing point that they put that in. And maybe Rob's best confessional of this entire episode comes now too. He drops a big footy analogy. This, this is up there with the I didn't come here to play tiddlywinks. This is this yeah. is up there with a couple of his other ones that Rob's had in this season. But he literally compares it to a game of football. He's like, we're in the final five minutes of the grand final now. You know, this is it. This is the big time and I love it. And it's great. Like, and that, that, that's not an AFL specific quote. That's an NRL one. That's a that's a football one. That's that's an any sport one. People will get that analogy. So yeah, it's a, it's a great little confessional he has there. Sophie here too. I love I love Sophie and Katie here. Just Sophie basically like every I've had people cheat on me and I've found out every single time and I feel like it this time around. And then Katie basically like yeah, you know I feel like we should be grabbing him and slapping him. And the whole time Katie's saying this, she's holding freaking Ben the bear. Like she's like <laughs> on this. Evil rant. Like, I really wish now in her her infamous confessional next week that she was holding Ben the Bear and stroking its head like, maybe I could kill one of them. Like, just (laughs) James Bond villain style. But so, and like, again, Katie's confessionals, so great. You know, messed with the wrong girl. He's going down. And then I think this is that line I jumped to before where Katie says like, oh, we we are women, hear us roar. Like, it's kind of like... Like, I'm the wrong gender, but even I'm like, yeah, girl power, come on. Like, you can do it. Like, I'm I'm rooting for Rob. I love Rob. I'm glad Rob wins. But 
even watching this now, can I just say that I know who wins. I know how this game plays out. I'm still watching this going, God, I hope Joel sides with Katie and Sophie. Come on. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant from, from Sophie and um, and Katie. But while all this is going on, Joel, of course, he has calluses on his ass. So while all <laughs> that's going on, he's one. <laughs> Joel, who's the swing boat here, may I say, he's in the, right in the middle. He determines how this game goes and all he cares about is the fact that he's got calluses on both cheeks of the bony part of his ass. And this is why Joel is brilliant. I, I look... I'm struggling right now who's the MVP of this episode if it's Katie or Joel. I, I'm, I'm going to give it to Katie. Come on. She's got to get two in the last two maybe of the, the season. But Joel, like, we see swing votes in Survivor. They're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, oh, I could go this way. They struggle. Like, Cochrane, South Pacific, you know, a very infamous one. Like, you know, what side of what do I do? Joel fucking is loving this. He's living life. And, like, I love this bit here when they're sitting around the campfire and Shona's going on about, like, oh, you know, I'm not really doing much work at the moment. I want to conserve my strength. Joel, in Joel fashion, oh, this is really good rice, Shona. Like, he's just, he's like <laughs> the happiest guy. Wow. Like, I can't do it justice. Jane did it last week. Queen Jane did the best Joel impersonation we've seen, but I love it. And then we get into this great transition period where literally, John, even the way Joel tells him, he's like, hey, guys, guys, I'm going to tell you a story and you can even touch it if you like. I've got, you know that bony bit in your ass? I've got calluses on both sides. But then yeah. I, the, the, what it makes is brilliant is Shona, like the back and forth. Shona's basically like, well, that just shows that you've been sitting, you know, you're not doing half work. And he's like, well, you should see the calluses on my feet and on my hands. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of work. And then Shona's like, oh, yeah, thousands of people really would, you know, believe that. And then Joel comes up with the, oh, well, you know why I've got the callus in my ass? Because you keep kicking it so much to make me do work. And then Shona's just basically like, fair enough. Good comeback. <laughs> yeah. It is brilliant. Oh, look, it's brilliant. I like the fact that I love the fact that Shona actually acknowledges it's a yeah. great comeback. Shona's like, actually, good good comeback. You know, you know, you know, Matt, you know what that deserves? That deserves this sound effect. That's a that's a zinger. That is uh and speaking of zingers, our good friend at KFC, show us a silver ads. We want to see him on the uh <laughs> the the zinger point. Um that I mean, yeah, that is one of those moments where like We've all, we all have them. One of our friends or somebody will be in something. Somebody will say something. You literally have nothing to say. You're just like, fair enough. Touche. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll, yep, I'll give it to you. Now, Ben, this next part oh. is I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to let you talk about it because I'm assuming Brilliant. this is – I loved it, but I think I won't do it justice. You need to tell us what happens, Ben. This this is uh, – if anyone's familiar, our very first episode of this show, we had uh, Mario Lanza do our very first introduction. And uh, if people maybe aren't overly familiar with a lot of Mario Lanza's work, prominent writer has been writing about Survivor basically since day one, written a book about it. Great book. Go and read it. He hosts the Survivor Historians podcast. If you enjoy us talking about Australian Survivor, he basically does the same with US Survivor. It's a fantastic podcast. He's he's a lot more intelligent than I am. I'm not going to say you, Matt. You're a smart man. But he, he he's great and his co-hosts are fantastic. He is also very famous for writing the Funny 115, where basically he picked 115 funny moments from the first 10 seasons of Survivor, got very popular, and he's done that now for uh, seasons 11 to 20, and he's just finishing up seasons 21 through to 30. Very popular, very funny. He's a smart man, very funny man. If we were to do an Australian Survivor Funny 115, and maybe that's a project we could look at in the future, we might have to pay some rights to Mario. We don't want to steal all of his ideas. This would make the Funny 115. We have Rob, 
who we've talked about is smart enough. He knows that he knows how to play the camera. We had that great moment earlier on in the season where he's kind of giving a confession. He's like, oh, well, back to it. Kind of, you know, shrugs his shoulders and does a little dance. Recently, he kind of did one when he like him and was it Shona he was talking to? I think he rolls his eyes and looks in the camera. Rob literally is standing in front of a boat. This is that calendar thing I think you were talking about before. He literally nods to the camera as if to say, hey, hey, come here. I've got something to show you. He points at obviously what he's like. The next tribal council goes, Sophie, gone. Then he looks and goes, Katie. And he does like the neck <laughs> moment. And then he goes, <laughs> gone. And then he basically points, 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 and points to the end. He then like nods at the camera as if to say like, yeah. And then what makes this even better is he literally lifts up. He realizes that they could be under the freaking boat here under the tarpaulin. He lifts up the tarpaulin, looks, and then kind of goes, oh, no, they're not there, and walks off. Like, it, it is so brilliant. Rob, this is what we talk about Rob being such a great player and a winner. Like, such an underrated character. How do people not talk about Rob Dixon as this amazing character of Australian Survivor? He's he is in the same category as Luke, as David, you know, as these iconic Australian Survivor players that we all know for being characters as well as great players. He is up there. He he. This is why him and David. It is so hard to pick for me who is the greatest of all time because they tick all the boxes. Well, he's the original, isn't he? I mean, yeah. And you're right. When he's going through that calendar, he's he, he points to like the days. So it's like a couple of days, obviously they're non-tribal days. And then he's like, you know, it could be like day thirty-six or you know day thirty-five. Sophie gone. And he points a couple more days. Day thirty-seven. Got, uh, yeah, does the neck thing. Katie yeah. gone. And but yeah, then when he finishes off, like, oh shit, they might be under the tarpaulin. <laughs> Better just check that. Oh, no, they're fine. All good. Like you're right. It makes the top one fifteen easy. Classic Rob. And uh, he, like I said, he knows he, he knows it's going to make for good. He would have known there and then. This will make the edit. This will make the cut. They will show this on TV. Camera guy, get over here. It's like that bloody Shamwala ad. You know, camera guy, are you following me? <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and he brings over the cameraman. Uh, you remember that ShamWow? Sorry, I just I didn't think it would take us twenty six episodes to drop our good friends at ShamWow. <laughs> oh, I love that ad. But um, yeah, it, it, look, it's it's classic Rob, and the guy he knows what's going to make the final cut, and he knew that was going to make the final cut. He brought the camera guy over there, and it made it just added to this great episode. Oh, so, so good. So freaking good. He, he, I mentioned it before, he's the Brian Heideck of Australian Survivor. Just, he, he's personable. He just controls edits and controls the game. Just, just amazing. All right, Ben, just, just quickly, I know we're getting to the end of this episode, but just, just quickly, you, you, everyone knows, well, you definitely know that I'm a massive Brian Heideck fan. Um, I think he's possibly the greatest American Survivor player ever. Um, Rob and, Brian Heideck, who's better? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, I would still say Brian because my argument with Brian is he's, he took Richard Hatch's game and perfected it and made it almost perfect. The thing that I think sides Rob and Brian apart is that Rob made enemies earlier and Rob had people gunning for him earlier whereas Brian didn't really piss anyone off till Helen and uh, you'd argue Ted as well. But talk to Tanya, talk to anyone from Thailand, no one knew 
that Brian was a devious little snake and was basically just out there, you know, not giving a shit and just playing the game. Uh, whereas I think Rob was a lot more personable and wasn't as sort of callous as Brian in his confessionals as that. But I think Rob made more enemies and had to cover himself a lot further in the game. It, it's a tricky one. And it's funny that that both of them sat in the final two with another competitor who was very, like, they wouldn't sway away from what they believed in. Like Clay, obviously, I'm not saying Clay and Shona are, are the same. I'm just saying that Clay was not going to budge from what he believed in. And I believe Shona, like, she has that same personality where, you know, this is who I am. I'm not budging. And it, what's I? I mean, a, mark, a lot of people often talk down on Brian the fact that he only beat Clay by one vote, a perceived goat, um, which I don't think is that fair on Clay. But uh, yeah, I guess the uh, pro for Rob as well is that he did this. You know, I say that Brian took Richard Hatch's game and perfected it. He had a few more years, well, not really, maybe a year or so, a couple of more seasons under his belt to watch. Whereas, you know, I, I don't know if Rob watched the first two. US seasons. I don't know if that's ever sort of come out. So, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. I mean, you'd also argue, and no disrespect to this season that we're talking about very positively right now, you would argue that Brian had tougher competition than, and that that's a tricky argument because a lot of people would say that the, there was not good gameplay in Thailand and there were bad players. I completely refute that claim. That's not true. It's no different to when people say One World had bad players and Kim walked. That's not true. One World has some of the most underrated players. Don't you look at me like that. Uh- <laughs> I was just thinking, I was just thinking about I can who, see who, your face. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking about who Brian was up against. And, of course, he was up against Ted. and Helen, Ted was an great player. Shean was a decent player. But There's Ted, some good he, he was on Thailand. Ted was happy with his wife, one hundred and fifty to two hundred percent. That I tell but, you what, uh, we're never going to do it because this is Australian Survivor Archives. But if we were ever to do like a side project, just to do one US season, I would make. I would probably it'd be Thailand or One World that I would make us do. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, look, just we, we got off sidetracked a bit there, but just getting back into this game, into this season of Survivor. Um, this is a, another interesting little sequence that stirs up Shona for the rest of this episode. Katie and Sophie, they've told Rob that they're voting for Shona. Of course, that's not the case, but that's what they've told Rob. And, of course, Rob goes back and tells Shona that, which then gets Shona stirred up. Which, again, this is genius, and I don't, I don't want to put the credit here on, on Katie because I don't know who, who, whoever came up with this between Katie and Sophie to do this. It's, it's genius because it works. And I think this is where I think the smarts work because Rob, and this is maybe on that argument we just had to kind of segue into it, that this is where Rob has maybe his one weakness is that he is a bit Lex-like. He, he can't handle having votes for him and kind of he worries about things like that. Brian didn't really have that. Uh, so, and this is kind of, it shows the cracks here. Like Rob is kind of, you know, bringing up, oh, I've got three votes against me. And like, you know, he's bringing up to Shona and then Shona's kind of worried and, you know, well, what if you vote for me and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, and this is what makes this episode really great. This is very modern Survivor-esque. You've kind of got that red herring thrown under, like, and they're kind of panicking and they're worrying. What you what you do really need here is you need a confession from Katie or Sophie going, yeah, we told them that we're voting for Shona, but we're actually voting for Rob. We did get a, a moment in this episode where I think it was Katie said, we will vote for Rob, Rob will go, because she says that to Joel. But we still, 
you know, as much as we're saying this is great editing, you do definitely see where they're lacking in the department, so you need a little bit more context. Sa- same with Sophie here. For Sophie's boot episode, you know, she kind of does have a line here where she's like, you know, I'm go- I'm not going out without a fight, but we don't really see her fighting as such. Like it's kind of that is a definite weakness of this season that we have picked out a lot, that whoever does go home, often you don't feel they're going home or they don't get a great edit towards the end. But, yeah, you're right. This is a great little moment. This is where Rob also drops the line where, you know, shown as my rock. Like, I love that line where Rob basically says that this is where 100% you know that these two are tight. Like, we knew this the whole season, but, you know, for a lot of this season we're thinking it's Rob and Katie, but now this is really Rob and Shona. Kashona says, she said, she says to Rob, she said, you told Lance you were, vo- you, you were voting yeah. for me and now you're t- telling Katie and Sophie you, you're voting for me. So it's just, and she says, it's just not going down well. So yeah. she's just, she, she's wary. She's, and so she should be because, hang on a sec, Lance chucked a vote on Shona, which obviously because Robert clearly told Lance that he was voting for Shona as well. And now it's happening again. So she's got every right to be very wary here. Couple of great Joel moments here too. He's loving life and the fishing. He's like, oh, legend, like little ripper. And he's like getting all excited and pumped up for the fish that Sophie are catching. So good good on you, Joel, there. Um, and I, I think we also get a, a line here, don't we, from Rob, where Rob's basically talking about his moods all over the place. And he says yep. that Shona and I still each have each other's backs. So and I they, like that line and they, too. And, and they say we have to trust Joel. It, it, in the end, after all that, it comes down to them saying, like, basically saying, we need to stick together, and they say we have to trust Joel, and, and they they have to. This is literally it. It is it is a line ball. You've got two on one side, two on the other, and this this is the most tense field vote of the season. I mean, I know we had a tie in our last episode, um, but like this this is the tense one because it, it does. I mean, there's not a whole lot really here extra to discuss. Lincoln, or sorry, I, I will say there's one moment to discuss. I do love Rob's little rebut to Lincoln. The way like Lincoln's like. Rob, and then Rob is just like, Link. <laughs> like I love the way that he just replies straight back to him like that. Um, but, yeah, the vote, it's a it's a 2-2 split. We get down to the one final vote. We've got two for Rob. We've got two for Sophie. Lincoln, the king of dramatic tension. Like Jeff Probst does this very well when he's kind of like, you know, the what would this be, the, the 12th person voted out of Australian Survivor and the fifth member of our jury, slow turnover. You know, but Lincoln here just basically like, I'll read the final vote. He just stares at it. He stares at it. He stares at it. I'm surprised. I'm surprised there wasn't a few of these sound effects being played. And then all of a sudden, we see that name on the paper. Matt Dyson, who is it? Who's going home? Well, I thought he was still staring at that that Aurora word from the yeah. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no he, he literally, you know what he needs to do? He's like... Just standing there, and he just stares at the players, and he smirks. And Sophie's like, "It's me, isn't it?" And Rob's like, and Lincoln's just like, "No, the answer's on the other side of this piece of paper. No, it's on the <laughs> other side of this. It's on the other side. You want to see it now, don't you? <laughs> Give me me bloody vote back. Somebody steals it. And... <laughs> hang on, hang on. Sorry, that needs a sound effect. There's a yep. Um, and it's Sophie. Sophie goes home. Uh, and that that's that's it. Katie needs to win immunities now. She's uh, sadly in a whole lot of poo, or as you might say, dog shit. She might call someone dog shit next week. I don't know who that would be. But, yeah, Rob was unable to have it taken up the ass. Sadly, it was Sophie, and she goes home. And 
yeah, I didn't think that I would ever be sad to see Sophie go, but I'm sad to see Sophie go. She says when she votes for Rob, she says that she's she says that I'm disappointed with the way um, you've played. Obviously, she's voting for Rob, so she's talking about Rob. She says I'm disappointed about the way you've played this game, especially especially with me personally. So she's just she. I don't think she has an issue of how Rob's playing. It's just she has an issue with. Obviously, she's made so many promises to Sophie, and obviously Sophie's going now, and she's just disappointed that Rob chose to play that way with her. We'll we'll eulogise Sophie in just a moment, but just a couple of quick things here that we'll point out. Now, the episode that we're watching, now this is, of course, the one off the official Survivor channel. This isn't the old copy I used to have, like the old illegal copy. We don't have any final words from Sophie on this version, so, yeah, ben, I, I don't. Ben, oh, yeah, ben, found ben, them, of ben, course ben, you have. Ben, they Do I have to keep telling you my nickname's the Bloodhound? I feel like you're insulting me a little bit that I would just let this episode go without any final words from Sophie. Sorry, That's you've never obviously gonna rang her up. You've got her to give you your thoughts, you know, 18 years later. Well, actually, no, I didn't. I realised that when I finished this episode, I'm like, hey, where, where are the final words? So, you know, we found, I think it was on Daily Motion. If you the Google Daily Motion. They're the ones that I used to have, the, yeah. The dodgy versions that are still, we managed to find them, and that's where we got the episode, the ad for Jeff Brown. We yep. found the ad for that on the Daily Motion. Because I knew I that was on the dodgy versions, and I realized I deleted them, and I'm like, fuck, that had the Jeff oh. Brown ad on it, yeah. No, well, I quickly went back and watched the well, the last couple of seconds of that dodgy version, and the final words were on there. But just prior to that, they talk about what happens next week. And did you notice, Ben, they yep. say next week on the last ever Australian Survivor, well, it's clearly at that point they knew they weren't coming back for a second season. But it, it is, I mean, that yeah, I did definitely write that down because it's fascinating that clearly we wouldn't have a show here really. If, I mean, we could. We could just talk about the first season and that's it. But, yeah, I mean, clearly we all know now that uh, this And I love the fact that they've got this line here. This is a season that is forgotten about basically <laughs> and people want to ignore this season ever exists. And yet here you've got Lincoln, the last ever Australian survivor. This will never return again. It's on the other side of this paper that it's not <laughs> returning. Uh, I'm still insulted that you think I wasn't going to find the last words, the final oh, words for stuff. Just read uh, the bloody thing. What are you going to do? Blame She's- this and all? Oh, they didn't show me fucking the challenger. They showing me <laughs> four seasons. Come up with a better excuse. Oh, she says, I don't regret this experience for one moment. If anything, it's been an enriching experience and one I'll live, live with forever. I'll miss the feeling of competition and living on the edge, but I won't miss the hunger. I think I played a, the game well. I played to the way I wanted to play it, and that's why I'm happy to leave tonight. So what do you reckon, Ben? What do you think about her final thoughts? Good final thoughts. I, I she, yeah. Good head on her shoulders. She went out, you know, said, said it. Yeah, she, she clearly accepts the decision. I mean, it's not like she didn't have a choice, but, yeah, she's not going out and telling everyone to get fucked and things like that. So, no, I mean, th- this is Sophie. I think Sophie is just she's a very humble, very straight-edged person. She's very nice. I think she's got a really great sense of humour that we see a couple of times. There's something in the book here which I knew there was one contestant that had a hilarious answer that I just, I literally laughed out loud. I literally laughed out loud. And I will read in a sec because it is fucking funny. It's from Sophie. Um, But I'll just quickly read uh, Luke Dennehy's five-minute form guide, what he said about Sophie going into this game, said that uh, the pros... Easy going, could be under the radar from the beginning, which will get her far. Clearly, she finishes fifth. Cons, may not have the mental strength. 
eh, that's a bit of a miss there, Luke Dennehy. She had very good mental strength. Three stars she got. She was on the same rating as Lance and as Sylvan and as Tim and was half a star ahead of your man, David Haas. So, Ben, I've I've been told that Luke Dennehy never interviewed the contestants prior to this show. So that's hmm. what I've been I've been told that from a contestant. So I would love to I'd love to have we ever got in contact with Luke Dennehy and found I, out like did he if, I've I've tweeted him. I tagged him, I think, in something. I don't, I, he might have liked it. I don't know. He, he's he's on my list of people to contact for the book to kind of find out because it's funny enough, like, quick little side note, and we'll get back to Sophie, but Craig, fantastic guy. We love you, Craig. I know you're listening. He sent us a whole collection of media clippings and things like that, which we're going to share some of them. There's so many to get through, but, it, like, fascinating stuff. I think there's, like, a Cosmo or a Who Weekly where they've got, like, Naomi and Craig, like, talking about their loves and their, you know, romantic interests. It's hilarious. But one of the things that he shared was that there were media that were sent out to the location that were then, like, sworn to secrecy, don't say anything. And I think it's Peter Ford. I might be dropping the wrong celebrity gossip guy. I'm sorry if it's not you, Peter Ford. But he apparently got into a lot of trouble because he, like, broke all this. It was going to Whaler's Way and all this kind of stuff like that. So there were obviously journos who did go out there and do some sort of press. Whether or not they got access to the players, and I, I look, I don't think they would have because this is strict, tight, like, generally probably go out there for a bit of a, a press tour of the location and the camp, I don't think they would have been given access to places. I don't think they even started doing that in the US one till, gosh, late. they didn't do it in the early days. They didn't interview them, like, on location like they do now. Um, I mean, I know Earl did, like, a pre-China special. Um, they used to do, I don't know if you remember, for a while there in the US ones, they they did episode zero was like a let's meet the cast and do all this sort of yeah. stuff. So, uh, and he's usually hosted by like the, the winner of the previous season. But um, no, I'd, I wouldn't surprise me if no cast, no press got to speak to them beforehand. So Luke is probably just going on their bios. Like we saw the press kit. We've seen what the press kit looks like. So, yeah, I, I mean, we... Yeah. I, I've never interviewed a Survivor player preseason before I go based on bios or my opinions, and I've the only winner I've ever picked in my life, I picked Pia, and I literally picked a woman and a man, so I kind of had a, you know, <laughs> a horse and either gender there. I've never picked a US winner before. Uh, and I think you're right. He probably just went off their bio and um, who knows, maybe got a little bit of inside information, but, um, yeah, but... It's interesting. I, I thought, you know, because I know, like you said, with modern day Survivor, that you do have interviews with the press now prior to playing, um, and obviously they're sworn to secrecy. But did you um, did you get interviewed by press before you played? Yeah, absolutely. We had a um, like a whole day, a couple of days before the show started, we'd get blindfolded and taken out to this random house, and then you'd go up, and then yeah, you'd take your turn of going in. And you'd have about three different. Um, journalists interview you. Get? For, who 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 were they from? Do you remember? Uh, it was like yeah, the Who Weekly and those sort of magazines. Um, the TV real Week ones. And, yeah, <laughs> all those yeah, TV Week ones, all that sort so of stuff. So were you in but, TV uh, Week? Were you in Who Weekly? Did you get? Did you make any uh, of the mags? I don't believe so. No, I never even checked to be honest. But uh, oh, I don't believe. Come so. on, Matt. How could you not check? No, nah, I didn't. I, I honestly didn't. I don't buy those magazines. So, Australian survivor you know, bombshell police officer voted out because he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was too busy still reading that 
the, the bloody Who Weekly from 2002 that Craig was in. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's all, it's all on our walls. Sophie, though, like some of the facts here I'll read about it before I get to the really good stuff. Um, so her luxury item was a necklace with a bead for each member of her family. Fantastic. Phobias, sharks and spiders. She had a Maltese terrier named Henry going into this. Uh, so her, her two kids, Isabella, age five, Daniel, age three. Now, Sophie was the one with the nanny, of course, who basically just didn't go, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, go away. We need to ask her about the nanny. Let's not forget about that. Her personal item, an extra bra. Cool. Uh, what pisses her off? Selfishness and arrogance. Um, we, we didn't really hear her talk a lot about, um, well, she never met David, did she? Uh, hello, David, if you're listening. Um, her favourite smell, frangipani. Favourite flower, frangipani. Uh, favourite game, Balderdash. I'm with you there, Sophie. Have you ever played Balderdash? It's a board game. It's fantastic. Is it anything like Tiddlywinks? No. Ba- basically what it was was that you would get a... Like you're taking in turns and your person would pick a card up and you'd roll a dice and you get, say, number five. And there would be six words on a card. So the 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 fifth word, what was that alcohol you called before? Chartreuse. Right, okay. So the word I might read out is chartreuse and none of us would maybe know what chartreuse is. So we all each had to then come up with the definition of it and you had to basically make it believable so that at the end of that round everyone voted for, so you might say a, a Dutch type of cheese and I might say the Ethiopian way of making bread uh and so one of and like me reading the card i write down the correct answer i would write a french alcohol and then i might write like you know a a type of wood and then basically you go around the circle and then you all vote and whoever votes for yours like three people might vote for your answer you get to move three places on the board it's hilariously fun because you either play it where you are playing it seriously and you are like you are coming up with really in depth things like oh this is a you know a, a modern way of dance or you just generally do the Ben Waterworth route of a type of fart or something like that like you just make up silly words it's it's a great game injera Ben that is the uh, fermented flatbread of Ethiopia oh okay well I, I, Mr I, uh, knowledgeable. I've I've spent five weeks in Ethiopia, and uh, as soon as you mentioned that, I thought I would uh, let you know what the bread is in the in that part well, of the world. Well, I now know if I play Balderdash and I get Injera. Uh, and actually, the thing is, too, if you actually knew that, like in all seriousness, if I read out Injera and you knew it, you would get two points because you were able oh. to tell you know, Yeah. Um, favorite sports team, the Wallabies. Fair enough. You could have said the All Blacks. That could have been worse. Uh, favorite TV show, very 1990s here, Sex and the City and ER. Yep, okay. Uh, when Harry met Sally, favorite movie she loves Nicolas Cage. Uh, favorite band Fleetwood Mac, Burt Bacharach. Pout, no one should like Powderfinger. Get over Powderfinger. <laughs> uh, favorite magazine Cleo Marie Claire, Marie Claire. Um, Snickers and Breakaway. Favorite dessert ice cream and strawberries. Right, okay. Got to get to the gold stuff here because again, you think that who would have the funniest answer of anyone in this book? It is freaking Sophie. I'm going to whet your appetite here. List three adjectives that best describe her. Fun, enthusiastic, and determined. What has been the biggest challenge in your life so far and how have you dealt with it? Motherhood is more challenging than I have ever expected and more rewarding too. I had to find patience. I didn't know that I had. Great answer. What is the accomplishment you are most proud of? Enduring two drug-free child... True... If I can speak properly, Ben. Enduring two drug-free childbirths with the result being the two best people I've ever met, Izzy and Dan the Man. Great. 
Even a little little bit of a trivia here. Her sister came up with the idea of the necklace with a different coloured bead for each family. While she wears it, her family will be with her at all times. Sophie dressed up as Tina and had a Survivor 2 finale party. She even drew on fake ribs. Fantastic. All right. Tease you enough. What would be the craziest, wildest thing you would do for a lot of money? Sit on the queen's lap and fart. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say piss on the queen. Well, well, she probably said that. They probably had to edit it. But like, <laughs> sit on the queen's lap and fart. That is that is fantastic. Oh, love it. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so good. But yeah, no, clearly she was a Survivor fan going in. She liked uh, Tina. I I gotta say it. Like Sophie. I've grown an appreciation for it. I mean, we've said this about a few other. We said this about Naomi when we talked about Naomi. Uh, you know, obviously your your love for David. Um, you know, someone like Deb. We talked up a lot. I think really everyone. We, there's not really been anyone we haven't come out of this with a newfound appreciation of it. Karen is maybe the enigma there, just because again, this has got nothing to do with the fact that we haven't talked to her. This is just we've said Karen and Sophie are kind of the two that you don't really know a lot about them because you don't see them for significant portions of the game. Although having said that, I think we've understood that Sophie has a lot more than we don't realize. She had some funny moments. She talked about pissing on people. She had a very terrible nanny that didn't give a shit. Uh, She made emu sounds. Gotta say, like she's maybe one of the ones in this season that I I did not expect to come out of this with this level of appreciation. Jane's probably holding that top spot for me right now. She is royalty, of course. But yeah, Sophie, gotta say, I, I I've enjoyed talking about her this season and kind of new noticing new things that I've never noticed before with her. Can you please do that emu noise one more time? Because I feel this could possibly be the last time we ever get to hear you do it. Oh, what are you talking about? She's on the show next week. We're getting her to do it again. Come on, Matt Dyson. Um, sure, we'll go with that. And, of course, that deserves to play this sound effect again. Oh, God, never gets old. Um, yeah, Sophie, any final thoughts on, on Sophie? No, I think you nailed it on the head. Look, there's obviously the, the clear-cut big game players of this season, we know who they are, you know, Rob, Katie, Shona, but you're right. Like by doing this podcast and really analyzing each episode, yes, she was a slow burn, but you're right. Like she, she ends up being this great character. She gets a lot, especially in these last three or so episodes. So that's the beauty of really doing an in-depth analysis of this season is we're learning about these other players that you probably had forgotten about. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, you know, 31 confessionals is no mean feat. I think that um, that's a decent amount of confessionals. If, if if you had said to any fan of this season, how many confessionals did Sophie get? I, I don't think you're going to think she got more than 20. You know, I think you're going to think yeah. she's, like, with Jane and, and uh, Lance kind of not having that many. So, you know, I think that's a bit surprising. But also... I, I, we don't do this as much, and you know maybe we can retrospect this at some point moving forward when we when we come to doing future seasons. But I always like to look at the little club that these players are in. Obviously, you're in the very esteemed first boot club. To me, the second best club behind being the winner. And I'm not even taking the piss. I actually would legitimately rather be in the first boot club than like the seventh boot club. Um, but the fifth, the fifth place finisher of Australian Survivor season, obviously. You know, we could say that she's, what, the the 12th boot or whatever number of my maths are correct there. Clearly, the 12th boot is going to be different on season five because that's only halfway through as opposed to finishing fifth. So if we quickly scroll through here, and maybe this is a case of just giving a quick thought of maybe where she would rank 
out of our fifth place finishes on each of the seasons or however you want to do this. And I'm I'm doing this live, Matt. You think I would have had this prepped, but I, I am not. So, of course, we start off with Sophie. Then next season, this is spoiler alert if you don't want to be spoiled on the seasons moving forward. Fifth place next season. Going to be hard to touch this guy, David Oldfield. I mean... Let's be honest, not really fifth. Stupid twist at the end made him fifth. But anyway, uh, so oh, this is a tricky one. Matt Tarrant on season three. Uh, we have Lockie on season four. We have Monica on your season. Uh, I sort of remember her. Uh, we have Abby. Uh, no, we don't. Yes, we do. We have Abby, sorry, on season six. And, of course, on All Stars, we have Tarzan. That is a very... Good group of people. That is a tough group to pick from. Gonna say right now, no disrespect to her. I don't think Monica, I think Monica's out. But the rest, uh, pretty tricky to choose from there. I love you, Monica. Yeah, I'd probably have to say David Oldfield, Lockie would probably be on the top. Oh, really? Well, well, I think that well, you don't agree with what David Oldfield or Lockie? No, you know, David's my number one. I, I personally, on a character base and who I personally would like better, I would go with Tarzan over Lockie, but I would say Lockie probably would get it if it was a fan vote. Yeah. What I'm saying with Lockie is because he's he's physical as well. I'm not saying that he's... Um, he's a bachelor. You know, like... Well, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he Lockie plays a completely different game to David Oldfield, but they're, yeah. they're different ages, they're different, they're different strengths. So I've got to give Lockie credit. I mean, the guy is great at challenges uh, and he's a good-looking bloke who the especially the girls are really drawn to. So that's his strength. Um, so you've got to give him credit for that, you know. So, But David Oldfield, I mean, he's number one. I'd probably put him yeah, in Tarzan. Tarzan's great because his character is the whole honest old bloke, you know, who's still decent in challenges. So um, you're right. I'd, look, no disrespect to Sophie. I think she didn't get the great edit for the majority of the season. I think she definitely beats Monica. Monica got the second worst edit in Australian Survivor history. So, um, you know, under Sammy Showers. So, yeah, look, I, I would probably put, look, Sophie's probably somewhere near the bottom, but that's not her fault. It was the edit she got. And I'd agree with that. And it, like, that is absolutely no disrespect to Sophie, but you've got a very tough field there. Like, I mean, if and it, again, as you said, you're depending on this and how you're voting. Like if you're voting by characters, or player, but I mean, look, you and I, hundred percent, I think would always choose David Oldfield in that one. Uh, but yeah, like you're a lucky person, you're a Tarzan person. I mean, let's be honest, Abby had a had you know some great moments too. Abby can't be forgotten in that um, that conversation, I think too. And we, we haven't really mentioned Matt. You know, no matter what you say about Matt's gameplay, you remember Matt. Matt Matt was a memorable player from that season. So, yeah, I mean, tricky group. And I, I think we need to do this more. I enjoy kind of, you know, putting the, the wall into a group here and putting it to Blender. And in all seriousness, no disrespect to Monica. Uh, you're right. Monica had a pretty terrible edit. I had nothing bad against Monica. Uh, Monica was fine. Um, you know, just we didn't really see a lot of her. So, yeah, there you go. And in all fairness, too, Tarzan and Lockie have played twice, so you, you've sort of got to, you've got to see them twice. And Abby, Abby as well. So Abby's three, twice, of, of course, yeah. Abby, three yeah. of the three of these seven players have we've seen them twice. You're absolutely right. That is a very very good point. I just want to point out too, really quickly, uh, that we we mentioned about how it's sort of been loosely revealed Guy Leach 
supposedly called back uh, to potentially be an all-stars. If people don't know what we're referring to, uh, the golden god David Janat did an interview. He started a podcast and his very first guest was Guy Leach. And for the majority of that interview, they did actually talk about season two Celebrity Survivor. It's a great interview. We did link it on our uh, social media, so definitely check it out. But I did laugh a lot at them basically ripping shit into David Oldfield, oh, the politician, the politician, and even, like, the golden god. Bless you, golden god. We love you. But clearly he doesn't really, hadn't seen the season, doesn't really know a lot about the history of Australian Survivor. And he was basically just like, oh, yeah, the politician, well, you wouldn't want to trust him. Can't wait to get to next season so we can really talk up how amazing David fucking Oldfield was for a, pol- a one-nation politician too. This isn't just, like, a Labor or Liberal guy. This is a one-fucking-nation guy. Uh, oh, he's in the top echelon of, of Australian Survivor players. The guy was brilliant. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, that's Sophie. Um, we, we, as of right now of recording, we, we have been in touch with Sophie. Uh, we, we are planning on having it happen. We are hoping it does happen. So, so watch this space. Generally, we can say yay or nay whether they're coming on the show. But right now, it's kind of a, it's a 50-50 whether it will be next week. I mean, it still hopefully will happen whether or not it's in sequence. It might be sort of similar to Jeff, how it kind of came later on. But we will see. Fingers crossed that Sophie will be on the show. And that that's one of the ones that I think it we said with Karen, maybe the two that would be the most intriguing people to talk to. I, I guess we're kind of saying that about everyone. We're not trying to say that, you know, somebody isn't going to be great to talk to. But let's be honest, like Katie coming on the show is going to be fantastic because it's Katie and we're going to love every single moment of her being on the show, but we're going to just get some inside stories and that. Whereas someone like Sophie you know, when we don't see a lot of what we want to know, we're going to learn a lot more about her and hopefully that she fired that fucking nanny. So, <laughs> and again, I think we said that in that episode. We're sorry, so this is like a dear family friend, but like uh, seriously, come on. Surely she got fired, Ben. Uh, let's just say this, she wouldn't be on the JobKeeper uh, fund right now, that's for sure. No, and it's actually just a random tangent. I mentioned The Bachelor. Has The Bachelor started yet? Has Lockie given out any roses at the moment? No, no, I didn't even know. Did it even get to film? I have no idea. Da, poor Lockie, single with, with sitting COVID. around, good-looking guy. With, with the whole COVID shutting everything down, I don't know whether they'd already filmed it by the time they announced him or if they were planning to film it. Who knows? But um, it awkward. Yeah, we and Brooke ended up hooking up again. <laughs> you know, no, that played out. Uh, but no, uh, that is that is one great episode. Uh, I feel like we say this almost every week, but maybe the best episode of the season. But, Matt, next week. Next episode, sorry. Next week, hopefully, Sophie. Following week after that. Um, yeah, I said it at the top. I said it many times this season. Maybe the greatest finale in the history of any version of Survivor. It's a possible uh, debate that we can have. Just, just buckle yourselves up, people, for a ride. This is the Katie Gold Express to Entertainment. Hashtag bring back Katie Gold. I said to Channel 10, if you're listening, again, apologies for swearing at you, but... I would send you that clip from this episode to say, hey, bring this woman back. I will send you like half of next week's episode to show you why Katie got. We have a woman wanting to kill someone. She goes from calling people pieces of dog shit to I'm really sorry, but you are a piece of dog shit to sharing ice cream to, again, wanting to kill them. It's it's just Wow. Uh, what is what is that um, Anchorman quote where he's like, I'm in a whirlwind of emotion or something like that. It's a telephone box of emotion. Basically, that summarises this episode. It is like anyone, anyone I have met who bags out this season for being bad will admit that the last episode was brilliant, and it is. 
It is just an absolutely incredible piece of television. I'm looking forward to it, Ben, and I, I don't want to sound arrogant and I don't want to talk us up, but fuck it, I'm going to. This recap, that was one. Of, that's my favourite recap so far. I think I felt like we covered a, a yeah, yeah. I felt like we covered a lot of stuff, had a good laugh along the way, and that's a pretty good build up for this. What is ultimately one of the greatest finishes in Australian Survivor history, Ben? I think we've done it justice with this recap. I really hope we get Sophie on for this. Uh, for this interview because I really want to hear all about Sophie's game prior to us going into this final episode. And uh, Ben, we've, we've got a next big sort of month ahead of us, don't we? We are going to be busy little bunnies in the uh, coming weeks because just a quick little sort of plan of attack that we're doing to let you know Sophie next week, hopefully then we'll have the finale and we, we are hoping to be joined uh, potentially by Cable for that one to uh, sort of recap. So this has been our longest recap by far, but next next episode will be longer because we obviously have to lump the reunion into that. We, we were going to include Surviving Survivor, but we might kind of save that and just kind of bring up some tidbits in our absolute finale episode for that one. But recommend if you're doing your homework between now and the next episode, watch all three because I think it kind of brings in some great context with that. But outside of that, we, of course, will have interviews lined up. We've got Katie lined up. We've got Shona lined up. If we haven't mentioned that a few times already, we've got Shona lined up. And we will be speaking to Rob Dixon's brother, Peter. Uh, so we've got those to cover off. We've got a couple of crew members potentially we've got lined up. And then we've got the big dog. Let's fucking announce it right now, Matt Dyson. We've we've teased it. I think we've probably mentioned it before. But we have the big dog. We have Stephen Peters. He is coming on this show. And, again, let's break. We said it in this episode already, so let's just say it. We recorded this months ago. We, we have recorded this episode a long time ago, but it is I, I did listen to it in the last week or so, and it, it refreshed my memory of what a great interview it was. We say in that episode, we're like, this is the greatest episode we've done all season. Got to be honest, I think Craig's interview was probably a little bit better than Stephen's, but, I mean, just saying it, it's still a fantastic interview. So that is coming. That will be our penultimate episode, and then our closing episode will just be a wrap-up. We'll cover anything we haven't done. We're going to open it up to questions. We want you guys to send us in some listener questions to answer anything that you want to do. Close out Season 1 in style. So it's going to be a busy few weeks, people. I love how you've just spilled the beans, all of them. You've got that excited about... You've got that excited about everything we've got plans. You've just spilled the beans just like Sophie and Katie did with Joel in this episode where they just spilled the beans on everything that's been going on. But you know what? You're right. I, that that big dog interview with Stephen Peters at the end, you, you, oh, it was. We, Ben's right. We did that months and months ago. That was really early on in this proje- project of, of doing Australian Survivor Archives. But, um, you know, t- to finish off with that, it's – you know, it's it's. Trust me, you're gonna want to listen to that episode at the end. From memory, that was the second interview we did. We interviewed Lincoln, think, and then we interviewed Stephen. Yes, so I believe so. That that's how long ago it was, people. That's how long we've been sitting on that interview for. So, uh, and in all fairness, I like it. It it hold, pretty much everything covered in it is what you'd expect us to ask anyway. So it's it's a, it's definitely a great interview. But uh, again, in the in the lead up to that, we've got plenty of other people to cover. We always appreciate your feedback. Thank you very much. I had a bit of a nice little comment exchange with one of our listeners the other day in regards to the the challenge. They they mentioned that there was a pretty rubbish challenge on uh, the UK survivor where they had to like dive underwater and collect something and 
I was being absolutely legit when I said that. Honestly, sounds more exciting than that challenge that we had on Australian Survivor. Uh, but we'd love to hear, like, if, if you've watched some of the other international versions and there's a challenge where you've got to smell different types of flowers. I, I don't know. There was literally a reward challenge in Israel Survivor where you won Rupert as a reward. So, you know, it's it's happened out there before. So I would love to hear from other people who've watched these other versions. And just remember, Rupert, they won him as a reward and then he couldn't start the fire. Yeah, well, that <laughs> Billy Joel would have loved him. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, who knows? I tell you what, one day, well, I keep saying this, I think that when we eventually catch up, which is going to take years, hopefully, you know, we've got plenty to cover one, one time, but we will one day do a spin-off and do New Zealand Survivor archives. There's only two seasons of it. You've never watched New Zealand Survivor and you, you come for the accents, you stay for the host because I'm telling you now, Matt is 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 better than any Australian survivor. I'm sorry, Lincoln, I love you, mate. You're a good-looking guy. You're great. Dicko, you're fantastic. JLP, you're great. But if they ever want to replace Jeff Propes, you get Matt, Matt from Survivor New Zealand because he is just, you think Joel's energetic. This guy is fucking high on life. He is great. So anyway, New Zealand Survivor Archives coming in 2027. I remember very early on in one of our episodes, you mentioned Matt, the host from New Zealand Survivor, and you you got his name wrong. I did. And you have Jeff. You had Jeff, some bloke named Jeff. Yep. Messaging you bloody Kiwi telling Jeff. you what the hell you got there. Yeah. <laughs> Kiwi no, Jeff, yeah. He, he doesn't exist anymore, um, sadly. Well, I mean, I'm sure he exists. He just doesn't do his social media anymore. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, please watch New Zealand Survivor just for the host. But anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been a long haul of an episode, but it's been a lot of fun. We really appreciate you sticking with us from start to finish. I feel like I'm going to play this sound effect just one more time because I can. Oh, thank you very much for the rabbits. Uh, if you like this show, why not like us on social media? There's a good little segue. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, help us get towards those thousand likes on any of them so Matt Dice can show that long overdue audition tape, although maybe he will bring out the big dog and show it to us at the end of this season anyway. Bad news, I could not find my big brother audition tape. I have no fucking clue where it's gone, but I found all three or four. Actually, I applied for an extra season of Australian Survivor that I didn't realise I applied for, so I think I've got four Australian Survivor audition tapes sitting on my computer, which are rubbish. So I can share one of them if you really want to one day. Ben, I know you've done, you know, been a radio host, but I don't think you qualified for Celebrity Survivor, mate. So I don't know. Did you, did you <laughs> well, apply for that, did you? No, I don't. Maybe there's only three. But the, I, so there's been, what, four? Why we, we need to end this episode. There's been four, episodes, four seasons of Channel 10 that you can apply for. I thought I'd only applied for two, but I've actually got three audition tapes sitting on my computer. So clearly I applied for one that I don't remember. There was definitely a season I did not apply for. So I must have applied for your season and I just don't remember applying for it. I'm sure you did, Ben, but look, you're you right. You took it's my been spot, long... you bastard. <laughs> That's all right. Jane took my spot on bloody this season so as the 18-year-old. But look, guys, it's been a fantastic episode. I know it's been a long one. Thanks for sticking in, sticking in there with us. I hope you're looking forward to all the interviews we've got lined up. The finale, trust me, you're going to want to listen. But until then, I'm going to go have a chartreuse and buy a sham wow and clean the house. And I'm just going to go catch a fish and more. A legend, Little Ripper! They're a really good ride, Shara. She's a mother, she's tenacious, she's determined. 
and she's got the smarts. Caddy, and I'm going to climb in the bed with you tonight. I think I've just lost my toy boy. Yeah. She's got another one, the little ripper. You know, as far as I'm concerned with Rob, he's messed with the wrong girl and uh, he's going down. Look at this, he's a high five man all the time. I am. I had to sort a few demons out, man. You had to sort a few demons. They're alright. Stick, stick the paint on, they're alright. Well, Ben, this is Ben, my bear. You have to warm that up for me. <laughs> That's wonderful, Kate. If I change this to the keys to Survivor, do you think it would be respect, trust, honesty, friendship, loyalty and love? That's got to be the biggest lie you've told all bloody decade, probably. One word. There's many words you can make, but there's one correct answer. One word only. It's written on the back of this board. No. Try again. No. That's not it. Keep going. Just looking for one word only. No. It's written here. I do hate Rob and Shona. They've betrayed me. You know, I put my trust in them. I devoted myself and committed myself to them. And now I've found that they've been weaseling behind my back. And that's going to cause hatred in me. Oh, it was fascinating. We were in the tent last night. So Rob kind of touched me in the night to hold my hand. And, you know, I held his hand, but my hand was limp. I wasn't going anywhere near him. He met me. He's betrayed me. I realise what, now what this game is about. Some people play much more hardball than others and that's the way he's been playing it. And it was just a revelation for Katie and I because we realised we've both been sitting in the same um, situation. Rob! 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 What are you doing making all that racket? You know how I found you? How? Footprints. Well, that interrupted my sleep, you bloody loud bazooka. 